My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 218, it's the WWE Network Review for April. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro, and it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. And that was J.K. Rowland, Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Are you trying to send a message to me, are you, James? Are you trying to stand up to me? (laughs) No, I'm just saying it's a very good quote, but what about the normal intro? Well, every month we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs and 205 Live. All the latest news and we delve into NXT UK and finally the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, NXT Update. So let's start with... Yeah, well, it appears no new WWE collections are on the way. While WWE.com always revealed any future sets arrive and it's still hoped by many that some would be announced, it appears at the very least none are set to arrive this month, but there is a shed load of new content. So let's start it off with photo shoot, and of course that was March 28th, and it was Rusev. Uh, and we started things off with the mixed match challenge and the matching outfits they wore, uh, which Rusev says McMahon said to him was probably one of the worst outfits that he'd ever seen. Um, but he's actually, you were quite impressed with uh, what Rusev, you know, his impression of McMahon, weren't you? He did a very, very good Vince McMahon impression, uh, like, you know, for a Bulgarian. It was it was very impressive, yeah. Yeah, he basically, you know, it was saying that man was sent saw the outfit and said, "That's horrible. It's perfect, but I never want to see you wearing that again." Uh, but we, I saw Rusev, and what does make Rusev so likable? What do you reckon? I don't know. You know, it, you said like you know, as soon as you turned it on, it was like he was just sat there comfortably. You know, he had a leg up, and it's like you know, Rusev. He, he, he looks like he's so open and inviting yeah. at that point. Yeah. I honestly don't know what it is, but he just seems so likeable. Uh, Russo said he based his first outfit in NXT on his trainer, Rikishi, which I, I know, I, I I like to say I know a lot of things, and that's kind of slipped through the net. Rikishi helped train Rusev up, you know? Yeah, and, you know, who who would say, who, uh, have you ever heard any wrestler put out credit to Rikishi for helping train them and basing their look on him as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't say I have. You know, obviously you've got you, so that's like completely different. And uh, then the next picture was Lana when she debuted very early on in NXT alongside Rusev and he said that kind of helped them out, you know, to build a character up. Even though she was dressed very terribly, she had like the black knee-high leather boots. I think she was wearing a red dress and then the black gloves as well. She 
Yeah, she weren't really sure. She's no. cha- that's what Rusev said. She's changed her outfit a lot for the years. And then they showed the promo with Dusty. We, we used to do it in NXT. And that must have been a pleasure for anybody involved, you know, to actually be a part of it. And uh, Rusev didn't really speak. It was kind of Lana just doing the, uh, well, I'd say the Rocky Four gimmick. Do you know what I mean? Of my, yeah. my man Rusev will crush him. Well, uh, he said that uh, Dusty was very impressed because, you know, she started speaking very fluently in Russian and then... The next minute, she was talking fluently in English as well. So, you know, he said, yeah, I love it. Yeah, said, yeah it's a part of the gimmick that I like. Uh, and then someone said to him as well, if you grow your hair, you'll be moved up, you know, to the main roster. So he decided to grow his hair. He said it was a rib on him, but in actual fact, he got called up anyway. So maybe it was the truth, you know. Yeah. Uh, he went on about the uh, the Putin side of things as well. I think yeah. he received a lot of calls because he was kind of basically uh, a Russian synthesizer, so to speak. And he got a load of calls from people in Bulgaria saying, look, you know what's going on? Have yeah. you turned your back on Bulgaria? And he's like, no, it's just a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. But he, you know, he played that well, and I think WWE went a little bit with that. But like I said, he 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 managed to deal with it quite well, and of course, winning the US title from Sheamus as well. And he said that Sheamus made sure to say that he never tapped out in in defeat, which I thought was quite a nice little moment. Yeah. Um, then he had a Russian chain match with John Cena, and he had a lot of praise for Cena as well because I think it, uh, it was the tank match that he was going against Cena at WrestleMania. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Well, he, he came out, didn't he? On the, I, I think personally, and he said it. You know, it's, it is one of the greatest uh, entrances in WrestleMania history. A tank, you know, with all the kind of fireworks and all soldiers that were there as well. You know, WrestleMania 31. It, it, it's quite an underrated WrestleMania, I feel, and especially like you said. What he learned, and Steve said to this day, if Cena, you know, if I need to speak to Cena about something behind the scenes, he's always there to help, which is good to hear, isn't it? You know. And he went on to explain about his taped feet and even the spin kick as well, you know. And we said you don't hear much praise for Rikishi, but I think I've heard even less of an influence of Umaga as well, and that's who he based his spinning kick on and uh, his taped feet as well. Yeah, that, which is again is amazing. You wonder why he actually did it, and that's like said to, to shout out to him. You know, uh, and one of the reasons he doesn't wear uh, tape anymore is because he's tore his ligaments four years later, and he found the boots. It wouldn't have even happened when he fell to the outside, so that's why he, he put the boots on. And I thought quite an interesting bit, you know, with Alana split with Rusev and the, the storyline with Dolph Ziggler being involved. Summer Ray, yeah, yeah. Summer Ray as well. Uh, where it was going to go between between the four of them, and of course on Instagram, Lana posted a picture of the engagement with Rusev and. You know, the storyline was done after that, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, and he, he did bloody well to marry her as well. <laughs> he, did, he did, he did. They had a circus-themed uh, wedding, and then Rusev was talking about his kind of promos and, you know, how to work without Lana or how to work with Lana. And he basically based just off the Iron Sheik. And again, another man you haven't really heard no. a lot of shout-outs for. Got a lot of his interviews just, Iron Sheik, you Tabony, me WWF champion, cameraman zoom. <laughs> yeah, so Rusev copied that, like he said, to, to do that with Rusev. And the, the the guys in the back who were watching it apparently said, like, where the hell did that come from, you know? And it was a nice picture as well where uh, Rusev managed to meet the Iron Sheik backstage. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was quite nice what they did. Uh, he said that Sheik paved the way not only for foreigners but for most wrestlers who you know kind of had a little bit of different style of different look as well. Yeah, and then um, Rusev was doing his kind of promo and he didn't even know The Rock was there because he because <laughs> you know if he would have been told then he would have spattered the news out to other people and which is a little dig obviously of the Ziggler storyline but still to be involved with The Rock you know you could tell he was excited by it couldn't yeah you, you know? but again you know it's 
Is it a Samoan thing? Is he a Samoan sympathizer? Because, like, you know, Rikishi, Umaga, The Rock, you know, it's all his family. Yeah. He's even worked with The Shield as well. That's true. And uh, well, you talk about great groups in time, you know, the League of Nations. Uh, let's not forget about that. Uh, calls Barrett, Sheamus, Del Rio and Rusev. Weren't they also known as Reigns Punching Bag? Yes, that's what he's called them that as well, which uh, I really liked. Because, uh, again, you don't really see that side of the business that well. He said, you know, the f- Monday on Raw, they were put together, and on Tuesday, they lost in a 4-1 handicap match. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and it's like you had two former champions, a two-time US champion and uh, an intercontinental champion yeah, in Barrett all, as well. all four guys that I quite liked, you know, at the time. Uh, and then, of course, this is a moment I forgot in WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32, with the League of Nations involved with Michaels, Foley and Austin. I, I've completely forgotten about that. Oh, I've forgotten about that as well, yeah. And Rusev even got a Stanko Stunner as well. So, again, you know, he's worked with <laughs> The Rock, Stone Colds. You know, he has had some brilliant moments in wrestling. He's done a lot, hasn't he? You know, you talk about coming in and, and being involved with the kind of, you know, the Putin storyline, if it like, went along with it. <laughs> I mean, at WrestleMania 32. And then he said, obviously, the next big thing after that was moving on to Rusev Day, uh, and that kind of we we saw how that was invented as well, didn't we? You know, yes. Uh, was wasn't it just after um, Randy Orton beat him in record time? Didn't that happen? Yes, yes. and then yeah. Rusev beat Randy Orton in record time. Not he, quite as quick as well. Record he time. got awarded the key to, uh, to Bulgaria, basically, and it was announced it was Rusev Day. And then afterwards, they used it occasionally, but he does. And another thing I like about Rusev, he doesn't take credit for everything. They didn't show that RKO either. He didn't show the RKO, but he didn't take credit for like, oh, I can't. Rusev. He said Aiden English played a, a pivotal role in coming in and start singing and, and trying to turn it into a thing. And then finally, when they made the T-shirt, you know, it was kind of like, this is what Rusev Day is all about. Obviously, they've blown it since then, you know, but still... I think it was okay, you know, it was quite interesting, it was good to see, you know, the the story behind it sometimes, you know. I do, but I don't think he's had, like, you know, I'd like to have seen stuff before WWE, you know, or, you know, something else, because all this you could have seen if you'd have been watching wrestling for the past six, seven years. Yeah, but we got, you know, he kind of got a little bit of the, the story... I don't think enough of the kind of frustrations, you know, with the booking of yeah. League of Nations and obviously what happened after the, the Ziggler thing as well. Even with the Rock, you can tell a bit of a, you know, a problem there. And where are they going to go, Roos? I think Roos has got potential to be a main event and be a heel or a face now after what we've seen, like you said. Uh, I think fight shoots changed a little bit from what it was first season to there's less pictures and more kind of story involved with it, yeah. which I, I don't mind. But again, you know, they've got to kind of make their mind up what they want and then go with it. If you it know was still I mean. there, you know, going on for 25 minutes. Yeah. But I prefer the ones, you know, the ones with like Razor Ramon and the older wrestlers who have kind of retired. I don't think there's enough content current wrestlers on there. If yeah. you know, you know, it's yeah, I, I think, I think that's true. But anyway, we move on with the original content and starting April 1st, we had a couple of series added. The first was WWE Talking Snack. And what was the first episode, Dan? The first episode was Eating Worms with the Boogeyman. And the Boogeyman and Kathy Kelly make gummy worms for Halloween and talk about his career. The taste of real worms and more. Well, yeah, this is on the Halloween edition. I did watch this and... uh, she, she seems like more than herself, but he kept switching in and out of character. And like I said, only six minutes long. Uh, and I think it... I, I don't know who it's aimed for. I, I didn't really enjoy it. But I guess 
maybe a different variation of the programme. You know, I'm not sure. The next one was Alexa Bliss's sugar cookie fail. fail and Alexa Bliss struggles to make sugar cookies while opened up to Kathy Kelly about what he would do if she wasn't a WWE superstar using her platform to help children battling eating disorders and more. And then the next one was uh, Jeff Hardy on being a dad. And Jeff Hardy trades in his swanton bombs for wonton bombs while opening up to Kathy Kelly about his career longevity, his response to whether his daughters want to be superstars and more. And then finally, November 22nd, Sasha Banks' bucket list. And she learns how to make a chocolate pie while talking about what she needs to accomplish in her WWE career, what she's most thankful for, and more. Well, I'll definitely eat Sasha Banks' pie. Yes, well, I don't think she's going to be uh, part of WWE programming, maybe for the future, if, if the story's going right. Obviously, she's, uh, she's dug her heels in, and we talked about it extensively a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, and then another new series that uh, started, it was uh, Zach, R- Zach and Kurt Figure It Out. The YouTube series sees the two best friends check out memorabilia from all over as they look to add rare collectibles to their collections. And the four current episodes on YouTube are all... So the first one was Zach's huge haul of vintage toys, October 5th. And the first episode, uh, they look for hunting. They're looking... Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Episode one was just awesome because I-, I watched this. And basically, Ryder Hawkers go to a toy shop, and it's all the stuff I like. Remember, Zach Ryder's a bit like me and HMV, Dan. If that means, you'll know what that means. You just get a massive basket and just keep adding to it. You're not keeping a running cost of the amount that you're spending. It's just, yeah, I'll have that. Oh, and one of them. Oh, one of them as well. Yeah, and one of them. Yeah, basically that. Hawkers is a bit like you. He, he wants to buy something. If he sees something he likes, he'll buy it, but he's not going to go and splurge, you know? Um Hawkins was quite cool during the whole series because he had a Shockmaster t-shirt, a Sabu t-shirt, NWO, and then a Dustin Reynolds fan. Uh, Dustin Reynolds t-shirt as well. He says he's a huge Goldust fan and wrestling blows on main event. Uh, so got to know him quite well. He actually bought a Goldust figure at one point, so I'm going to get him to sign it and put it with my collection. Uh, Ryder obviously wears his own Zack Ryder gear, which, which is always good to see. <laughs> Just like you wearing the WNR podcast t-shirt yeah, and exactly. me wearing a ricochet shirt. Yes, uh, Hawkins doesn't play video games and Ryder doesn't know anything about sports, so you can see how the two kind of got, you know, are friendly and know different things from each other as well. And, and basically going in, it's like kind of turtle stuff, Ghostbusters stuff, just everything I like, basically, you know. So there's, there's four episodes that you've got. Episode two, which is Edge's worst action figures ever. Oh my days, what's up with them lips? Yeah, honestly, it looks like Steve Tyler, doesn't it? And they find another one as well, which is just uh, crazy. And they're going to, you know, each shop, they, you know, they go to Chicago in the second episode. In the third episode. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio. And we're looking for the insanely rare Undertaker figure. And then episode four is uh, looking for the exclusive Haxor toy. And that was made in Spain exclusively. And they're not sure how many figures of them have made. And also the rider rule running through it uh, where he's got to buy something as well. So, I again, it, I think it was put on there just for me but I, I really enjoyed it you know it's really really good and i hear they got a podcast so you know good luck to them you know it's only the 15th best podcast <laughs> exactly, yeah. obviously ours is number one as if you didn't know uh and then the next program was wwe ride along it's kofi appreciation night on the first of and it's 23 minutes long yeah new day they have great camaraderie letting poppers off and so forth as for Cien and Vega, there's a funny moment about her husband and Cien misses the mask. Yeah, he says the mask, you know, kind of doesn't get stopped in the street, you know, and he kind of go about his business. 
Uh, and as for Zelina Vega, she says, oh, I'm going to go see my husband. And CN's like, your husband? Who's your husband? And she goes, you know who he is. If anybody doesn't know, of course, it's Alistair Black. Uh, and he rings him up during the FCN, tells him he loves him, which, again, is, is quite a nice little moment. As for the New Day, I love the New Day together. And they kind of, they, they try to throw, because it was after Elimination Chamber, they threw a party in the car thinking Kofi was going to win. Obviously, he didn't, but they still had a lot of fun. And you can just tell that they're three really good friends. Uh, anyway, and more in ring stuff, we had Superstar Picks. Yes, uh, 2019, and WWE Superstar Picks is back with a new edition. For those unaware, the series of sorts, a collection where a WWE Superstar picks their favourite matches with an intro to each one, and where they discuss why they picked it or what it means to them. Well, generally, this section isn't something they're involved in. These videos appear in the in-ring section, however, not the collections category. Well, this month we'll be receiving the superstar picks from Adam Cole. The NXT star and leader of the Undeserving Era is the first NXT talent to be featured in this category. And he picks out Sean versus... Uh, the f- yeah, he picks out Sean versus Brett in 1996. Uh, RVD versus Jerry Lynn. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Eddie and Ray versus... Uh, Eddie, f- Eddie versus Ray from 97. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. Angle versus Mysterio. Austin versus Triple H. Michaels versus Flair. Rock versus Austin 2. 2. And Rock versus Austin 1. Yeah. And then the full, uh, then Thursday, April 4th, we had Table for Free, which was uh, Independent Spirit, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. Uh, so we both watched Dan. What were your thoughts? <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. Um... To be fair, all three of them are down-to-earth guys, you know, uh, out-of-the-ring character-wise. Um, there was a few funny moments, you know, like uh, Cedric Von Hassel. Uranian <laughs> <laughs> champion. Yes, and rumour has it. Rumour has it. But he still holds that title yes. to date. Um, he, he says about Johnny Gagano, says meeting Vince dressed as an elf uh, or as Cedric Von Hassel. <laughs> And uh, he said it's a great moment, like, you know, it was just like a movie. Vince was sat there reading the paper, and you just see the paper gently lowering. <laughs> That's perfect, damn it. <laughs> and he goes on to wrestle MVP and loses to him after a clothesline. Yes, yeah, he got destroyed. Um, and then Adam Cole says about his one, and he was sat in a bar with Serena, and uh, the Straight Edge Society walk in, uh, CM Punk, uh, jo- Joey Mercury. Joe Mercury, Luke Gallows. And Luke Gallows, yeah, and they all walk in and there's a there's a bit going on between them and I didn't realise this, but when they phoned him up, it was meant to be Austin Creed, aka Xavier Woods. <laughs> yeah. But they got the wrong Austin and when he sent him a promo pitch, like, yeah, it's definitely not you, yeah, but we we'll give you a try anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh then they was talking about um like their different poses that they do with fans and like you know you got the finger and ricochet said well what about the fist pose and funnily enough i've got a picture of ricochet and he's doing the fist pose (laughs) which made me chuckle because i was basically talking about me obviously uh i like the fact that they mentioned you know history with one another about wrestling each other evolve you know kind of 10 years ago when they first started another interesting thing was ricochet you know they were talking about how long they wrestled for ricochet wrestled for so long now since he was 15 since he was 15 you know gagano just got started at 16 and gagano's look at the early days as well with the kind of long hair doesn't look any bit like the johnny we know and love now and even maybe does ricochet to, to credit and even adam cole does look a bit uh, skinnied out they wrestle each other evolve one two and three in different combinations which was good and then they talk about takeover and their different experiences uh 
Adam Cole wrestling three hardcore matches in a row in a kind of ladder match, uh, the hardcore match for Alistair Black yeah. and the uh, war games as well. I thought it was quite... Because I didn't even think of that as myself. And the kind of way he spoke about, like, each of them look at each other and go, right, let's just raise our games. There's five matches. Let's just do what we can do. And it even proved at the last day, you look at Ricochet stealing the show in the first yeah. match and what Adam Cole Gagano did in the main event. It just seems like a really good feel to NXT at the moment, doesn't it? You know, all kind it, of together. It seems like, you know, they're all... They, they all gel as well. You know, they're, they're all friends because these three guys, they've been friends for... Yeah. Uh, Johnny Gagano and Ricochet have shared a bed more times than <laughs> Gagano shared a bed with anyone else. But Candice LeRae's kind of... She might be there. Yeah. Just ahead. But, you know, it's, it's good to see him. And they was all told the same thing by... What was his name? Was it John... Uh, not John Lionitis, was it? But uh, or, I think it was John something or other. But they all said, look, you know, now's not your time. But you will get an opportunity in WWE. You will make it well, there. Well, didn't William Regal say that? Um, William Regal went to see them. Uh, went to see. I think it was Johnny Gagano versus Ricochet match, or like you know he was there yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in attendance for it. He basically, like he said, but yeah. the, the advice that he gave to them all, wasn't it? It was like, look, you're not right ready now. Go away, get more experience. You know, build yourself back up, and you will be employed with WWE. You know, and uh, as they said, they said it to everybody. But look at where the three of them are now. You yeah. know, they're all in WWE. And a good, good thing about they're all because you know their favorite moments is they're traveling the world and that, and they're going to different things. And you know, you get a box, you take a delivery of a box of t-shirts, fifty t-shirts with your face on it, with your name on it, and you go to independent shows and. You know, they sell out after yeah, yeah, yeah. one or two nights. And you're like, people actually want to wear T-shirts with my face on it. And, you know, they kind of... It seems like they still don't believe what's going on yeah. with them now. You know? Exactly. And that's what, like, they talk about kind of... You know, even that was the Shawn Michaels kind of worship. All three of them saying we're here because of what Shawn Michaels did, basically. Uh, and they, they also said, you know, we've been friends for so long. Let's meet up in 10 years and, and see where we are now. And I would say two out of three at least will be WWE champion because that's kind of how strong these three guys are. And I think even Adam Cole, you've got to admit, come across really well in this. He came across all right. Yeah, the only annoying thing with him is is talking while chewing. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah. I think usually, like, with a big shark cane on it, they'll be eating, like, tiny little salads. And with these three little guys, they'll just eat massive steaks, steaks you know, <laughs> getting their mouth going, oh, well, yeah, I really like this. You know, uh, but, uh, again, really enjoyable, though. Yes, it, and uh, always watch out for lower third moments. <laughs> yeah, I like that part. Yeah, that was good. Because, obviously, <laughs> cause, yeah, Adam Cole, when Adam Cole attacked McIntyre. Adam Cole uh, made his debut. Yeah. yeah. And then Gagano said, don't tell me about a fucking moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the chomper beatdown when he got the Johnny Gagano war for most punishment taken in a match. You know? Yes, but, again, you know. I... What's going on? Uh, so that was table three. Like I said, probably the best, maybe one of the best programs this month on the network. The Vault and WWE Hidden Gems, and this one from 1984. We had a few of them, and this is Luger's Golden Opportunity, the 22nd of February at the uh, Stabler Arena, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, in 1986, we had the WrestleMania two two press conference. Uh, that's from the 3rd of April at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. And in 87, WrestleMania free press conference at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, in 88, we had the WrestleMania 4 press conference on the 2nd of March, 88, at the Grand Hyatt, New York, in New York, New York. And New York. then <laughs> New York. And then 1993, April 4th, 
Papa Shango faces El Matador, Tito Santana. It is rarely seen bout from WrestleMania 9, featuring the WWE debut of Jim Ross on commentary. Uh, only 10 minutes long. I, I've, I've watched this. It's, it's an added thing for WrestleMania 9 again, you know. He's pimping hoes, James. He is pimping hoes with Papa Shango. Who would have thought that Papa Shango would actually go on to be the Godfather? I don't think anybody would have thought that, seriously. Um... 1996 watch list from Miami to Hollywood, 20th of February, 96, Huntington Civic Arena in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, Razor Ramon demands that Roddy Piper let him end his heated rivalry against Goldust in Miami, Alabama, 12. Yeah, this was really confusing because it's again only a 10-minute skip between the two, setting up Razor versus Goldust because they've had problems in the early part of 96, but because of his contract coming up for renewal and everything like this, uh, Razor Ramon was dropped out. They, they were going to have a Miami fight, even though WrestleMania was taking place in Anaheim the other way. So Roddy Piper was shouting at the end of this, have a satellite feed, satellite feed. In the end, it would actually be Piper versus Goldust at WrestleMania 12 in a uh, Los Angeles street fight. A Hollywood street fight, sorry, as it would be. Uh, so that's all hidden gems. And then Friday, well, not all hidden gems, that's, that's that. And then <laughs> the original content, April 5th, was WWE Chronicle. And this was Charlotte Flair. 45 minutes long. All the content this month has been nice and long to get involved with. And a really nice, happy start. Reed uh, to start. And she's deaf uh, in her early 20s. And now the way she is, the brother never saw her. The whole thing with Reed, he died six years previously due to a drug overdose. And it affected Charlotte. And at that point, Charlotte then wanted to do Reed's dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And the WrestleMania that took place... Where she she missed the, the and the, the where he died, she was going to go watch a WrestleMania at that time, and then unfortunately for her, um, she couldn't take part in it. But the mate the WrestleMania's taking place. That's WrestleMania twenty nine. This is WrestleMania thirty five. Well, she was at Wrestle. Was it WrestleMania? What WrestleMania was she at when Ric Flair's career ended? Twenty four. Twenty four. That's when she came out on stage, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. She came out on stage twenty four. Twenty nine. She was going to attend WrestleMania in New York, New Jersey, but Reed died. But when the WrestleMania has been taking place again this year, she's main event in it. We see highlights of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, she took her Rumble defeat very bad. She was caught backstage. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, right? I'm not having a go at these programs, but if you talk about Reed in a very personal subject where she's in a very emotional place where she obviously is genuinely upset about her brother, then she's doing the same thing for the Rumble, and people are thinking, well, hang on a minute here, you know what I mean? Is she is she playing that as well? It's a bit, I found it a bit odd. She does the same training every day to prepare herself for WrestleMania. Um, it's very in-depth, the character work is strong, but the story behind the woman intrigued me. She says it's like night and day, not very confident in her father's shadow and doing something which wasn't her goal. Exactly. And I felt exactly the same way with it when you think about, you know, she she wanted to do her brother's dream. But the fact is, what's her dream? What, what does she want to do with her life? And even after all these accomplishments, when she won her like, eighth women's championship in ESPN, they put, oh, uh, Charlotte, uh, Ric Flair's daughter won the title again. And she's saying, well, what's the point of this? And she said the heel turn managed to turn her away a little bit and actually become the character more and try and believe in her own abilities. Because as, she, as you see throughout the whole Chronicle, she is kind of very, uh, not say insecure, but you kind of see these different things from her as well. It's really interesting. Well, what do you see her as? Do you see her as Charlotte Flair or do you see her as Ric Flair's daughter? I see her as Charlotte Flair now, uh, but 
I think a lot of people still see as Ric Flair's daughter. Sometimes you can't just get, no matter how successful you are, you can't get out of the shadow. Uh, and after she won the talk, she said she loves wrestling Oscar. Obviously beat her. And she said she could wrestle Oscar all day long. That's how great a talent she really did put Oscar over. Yeah, and she started, Joe, and they share a moment which you think makes her a cunt, James. <laughs> it does make her a cunt. Yeah, she, it does make her a cunt. It's true. Uh, seriously, it was very good. Kept us engaged. I'm not a huge Charlotte fan, but we can see what drives her. Uh, and, and, you know, with Charlotte, again, I'm not going to be a huge fan of her work, but I can appreciate what she's getting towards. But I would be interested to find out what her goals and aspirations were as opposed to anybody else's, you know. Uh, so we move on April 6th, and it's WWE Untold, and it's how Sting finally debuted in WWE. Uh, it was 25 minutes long, and uh, we get click, uh, we get, fuck me, we get clips of the click talking uh, about trips, Mania 31. And uh, what are your thoughts on Sting versus Triple H from WrestleMania 31? Oh, it's absolute dog shit. <laughs> Well, I didn't like the entrances. They build up the entrances. Yeah. That's probably one of the most interesting things where they say Sting comes out with a banging on the drums and his black smoke appears underneath the stage where Triple H is. He doesn't know if the stage is on fire, wherever it is, he's just sitting there with it. Then he comes out with plastic terminators and HBK and Scott Hall were talking about it. They're going like, oh, well, you know, Triple H always, for some reason, he always seems to have like bigger entrances and spent more money. And Michael's like, I guess he's here. I hear he's got connections. <laughs> Which, again, is, is funny because you can say that because obviously they're friends, you know. Yeah. Anyone else said to be yeah, fucked. Yeah. But Sting actually talked very openly b- b- before that about what his goals were in WWE when he first came. Yeah, he said he wanted Taker, but Triple H said he was next on the list. And he debuted in Survivor Series 2014. So, in that he wanted the Undertaker. And because Triple H said, well, yeah, I looked at his list. He wanted the Undertaker. He was busy. I was next. And Sting's version of it is... Uh, I wanted the Undertaker. I want that match. Everybody wants that moment, no matter what it is. You know, Sting versus the Undertaker is one of those dream matches, I think. You as a fan as well, especially with WCW when you were young. Oh, that would have been awesome to know. see them two go against each other. It would have been better 10 years ago. But even Sting Mitz, though, like he said, Smoke and Mirrors in that match would have worked because it's all about the character work in it as opposed yeah. to, he, he said, you just kind of want that moment, you know. Uh, and, he, and then he said, well, what else you got for me, Triple H? Oh, OK, I'll take that then. So he wasn't kind of, you know, he he was upset he didn't get the Undertaker. Um, but, you know, Triple H was quite good. And he said, a good match at Mania. And could Sting hang as well? He didn't show any nerves as he went to WrestleMania. You know, even though it was kind, he said it was the kind of biggest thing that he'd ever done at that stage in his career. You know, WrestleMania 31. Uh, and of course, one of those magic moments they talk about in a match was when the NWO and DX came running down towards the end, and it was the first time a click all together. I mean, you you didn't like it with NWO and DX. Um, it was it was quite an iconic moment, you know, two of the biggest rivaling factions together at a moment. But I don't know. It was again. I think it was five, ten years too late. You know, it would have been something very interesting. You would have had that about ten years ago at a Survivor Series or something. You know, five on yeah. five match. That would have been awesome. Well, the problem was Nash injured his knees. <laughs> they talk about coming down, and Road Dogg's like, right, I want, I want to pair off with Scott Hall because you know we're two of the slowest guys. Uh, X Pac, you can work Hogan because you'll, you'll sell for him. And then Billy Gunn get Nash. Billy runs into Nash, and Nash just goes down, and holds his knee straight away. So uh, Triple H is looking around, sees Nash just holding on the floor, thinking, "Oh fuck, what's going on here?" Watching them all, you know, the fans did respond to it, uh, but they do talk about the finish as well. Triple H won 
uh, with a sledgehammer shot, uh, beating Sting. And, you know, like, a lot of them say, like, it wasn't the right result. But the, apparently the reason was, was this is official now, the plan Triple H says it was going to be The Rock versus Triple H at WrestleMania 32. And Triple H needed the victory over Sting at WrestleMania 31 to make it interesting. He had the altercation with The Rock early in the night with Ronda Rousey. And that's what they're building towards. Unfortunately, the match never worked out. Uh, and, you know, he said if, it, if that had been the case, we would have had Sting go over. But unfortunately, it didn't. Um, it wasn't bad, but I think for a couple of moments where you see how passionate Sting wanted the Undertaker. And I think even now, if you said to Sting, we want a face-to-face with you and Taker, he would do that in a second. You know what I mean? I think that kind of even the meeting for the first time ever would be a really cool moment where a pay-per-view or Raw, do you know what I mean? Or yeah, it would like be that. interesting, but then I think it'd kind of drive us as fans to want more. And, you know, what... What kind of clinic could they actually put on nowadays? You, you, maybe not a lot, but it would just imagine that they, they come face to face and Sting's pointing a baseball bat at Taker and Taker just slits the throat looking at him. I mean, what a visual that is, you know? Yeah, it would be a visual, but again, It'd it's... a shit match, you're right. It would be an awful match and we'd just feel so bad for the pair of them. Well, they glossed over the fact that Sting eventually got injured with Seth Rollins in that match as well. So, they, you know, they talk about his legacy... But Sting says it's one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Fair play to Sting. At least he had his moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, W Hidden Gems and Magical Magical McGee, which was the 7th of December 1988. I think we'll get onto that in a little bit. And then WWE Chronicle Roman Reigns. It was part two. Two. Again, 45 minutes long. Yes, we watched the first part with his return. Now it's all about the Mania match. Full... F- to the fourth uh, to April the seventh, and we all know the story of Roman Reigns, and of course, unfortunately, uh, getting leukemia and everything like this. Yes, uh, we get an extended look of the reformation of the Shield and at Fast Lane versus McLashen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better name than that. It's a nice moment with Samoa Joe backstage. He went up to uh, Roman before the match and he was like, you know, Roman's like, you're going to watch my match? And Joe's like, hell no, I'm not going to watch your match. What don't be talking about. Then afterwards, Joe came up to Roman and being like, you did good, brother. You look all right in there. And it's like, you can see the kind of respect between the two. I like that. Samoan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's meeting a lot of fans, which makes him a, a, a good guy. And Reigns at the hospital surprising children. Dan, you know how that gets me. I always get a little bit emotional at this point. Um, and attacks Roman and puts us back on the story road. It's major heat, major Maybe. heat for McIntyre, you know. It's like, oh, come on, McIntyre. The man has just come back from having leukemia. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that could get him even more heat is if he came out of the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, literally. If I that, know who did I it. Know, I tell you who did it. It all did. <laughs> that would just ruin it It all did. Anyway, he met with Stephanie and W. Brass to work with charities uh, with leukemia. And he's a really, you know, he's really into it. Of course, Stephanie had to get her all in, though. I don't want to say it. Thank God you did. Uh, But he is a fantastic ambassador. Uh, He meet another fan, and literally, it means the world to him. They say to him, like, you do say he is the new John Cena. Without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I don't know if I just watched too much, but I find myself getting emotional watching this with, with so many children in it. Doing stuff for Connor's cause. Uh, the kids just happen to meet the hero. You know, they see Roman and go, Roman! And just run to him. Just, you know, I wish we were that innocent this time. Do you know what I mean? With the world of just being able to say, that's a guy I respect and admire. You know, that's a guy. 
Look, doing all this work and wrestling, but he has just come back from something horrible and serious. And WWE have put him right back into a plane, turning him into an everyman Joe, just like John Cena does. You know, all this great stuff, but unless they want something serious to happen to him, they need to kind of reduce his schedule. You, he's just come back, and he's doing every single, you know, meeting and everything he can as well. And it's just like, slow your horses. Roman wants to do this, but WWE really need to be careful, especially if he's, he's like week in, week, in, week out now on house shows. You really need to reduce his schedule, you know? Yeah, definitely. Mm. But I think they need to reduce because they've got so much talent there. You know, they could do kind of an NXT thing, you know, one week focus on the tag teams, one week focus on the women, one week focus on, you know, the heavyweights, one week focus on the mid-card division, yeah. you know. And yeah. it's... No, it is a, it's a shame, you know, because the reason why Ambrose is leaving mm. and other wrestlers aren't happy is because there's no breaks. And when you look at Ambrose's statistics... He's wrestled probably more than anybody else has these past couple of years, you know, like some someone like Kevin Owens as well. Uh, but Nia Jax has seen a few times with Roman Reigns as well. And uh, best wishes to Nia Jax as she underwent successful ACL surgery on both her knees earlier today. Yes, Jax was dealing with knee issues for a while, but vowed to get through WrestleMania 35 before getting surgery. No long, uh, she will be out of action, but ACL tears usually take between six to, at least six to nine months. At least 12 to 18 months. For a full recovery, so she'll like to be off W events through the rest of the next couple of years. Hallelujah, there is a God. No, um, I'm only joking. Uh, she tweeted, At home resting, all went well. Already walking with some assistance. Smiley face. Well, let's get back to Chronicle. Uh, we end with, lastly, beating my boy Drew at WrestleMania. Uh, and it was another strong Chronicle. We didn't really learn anything new about Roman, just like... He's just like you or me. He's an everyday Joe now, going out there and trying to do what's best for the world. You <laughs> His know? name's Joe. <laughs> yeah, so, like you say, Roman Rage Chronicle, it was good stuff, but that's done now. Uh, we move on, and new classic content added is Mid-South Wrestling. Yes, we've got Mid-South, 27th of April to 11th of August, 1985. There's 34 episodes. So you can go back and check all them out. Gems, Leroy's lasting... Legacy, the 12th of August, 1978. Yes, this week we received just one WWE Hidden Gems edition, a full episode of Tri-State's NWA Championship Wrestling Program from 1978. The 42-minute video may only appeal to a certain number of fans, but the rarity of this upload may indeed sway many into giving it a higher grade. Yeah, and then we had another one as well, which was the Wrestling Challenge taping, the Magical uh, Mystical Magic... And we talked about this at 9.55, well, 9 minutes 55 seconds long. Uh, Hall of Fame Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase battles the mystical Tom McGee in this never-foreseen contest from... Well, considering its subject, though, it is quite the doozy. The subject is Tom McGee. For those not in the know, Tom McGee is a former pro weightlifter and bodybuilder who, rumour has it... Rumour has it. Vincent Mann as the next Hulk Hogan during the mid to late 80s. Most famously, he is known to have wrestled Bret Hart. Well, the hitman is said to have done such a great job at making the absolute green rookie look like a million bucks that McMahon thought he'd landed on his gold mine. Unfortunately, McGee was quickly exposed and the heart match never aired. To this day, it's mentioned as a match that WWE doesn't want anyone to see and a myth has therefore been built around it. More recently, the match was propelled back into the public consciousness after Fan, who was a friend of Brett, showed evidence of his existence, for new and hope that WWE would finally allow the infamous Hart versus McGee bout to see the light of day. 
Well, what we are getting instead, though, is a match between McGee and Ted DiBiase. Dated 12th of the 7th, 88. It appears to come from a wrestling challenge taping. According to WWE themselves, the bout is never before seen. That seems pretty feasible considering this would well be after the bloom verbal rose in the regard to the former bodybuilder and the then WWF were well aware by this point that it took a world-class talent to squeeze even a plausible match out of the man. So while it's not going to be the match that everyone associates with the Falbert Man Project, this is Tom McGee. And I'm going to be made that W's apparent response to the surfacing of that match is just as rare. I leave that for you guys to size and you can always let us know. And then finally, Dan. Finally, for the last time ever, we promise. Never again going to happen. Never. Last time, guaranteed, the Shield's final chapter. The Shield's final chapter, an hour and ten minutes long. And we get Corey Graves, Michael Cole and Renee Young on commentary. Yes, uh, we get a great, great Shield promo to start off the video. And, I mean, all about the history of the Shield through, you know, obviously their debut in 2012 to present day. But WWE have milked this, haven't they? <laughs> they have milked the complete and utter shit out of it. I mean, the Shield's final chapter. I mean, why wouldn't they? Oh, exactly. Well, after the last time ever, ever promised that this is the last Shield match ever, we get GPD. Yes, and who wants to walk with Elias? We get a fancy tune, then runs down the Shield... I won't have to see the three of them again. Yeah, GPD is an easy way to get heat and fill time as he sings a song and the IC champion interrupts. And it is Balor wearing blue. And it, I think it suits him. Yeah. And I feel he's in the right position to do well. Exactly. Mid-card championship. The Intercontinental on SmackDown. You know, I think there's a get a bit of pace for him. I'm not saying he's going to be a main eventer, but at least recognition to the Intercontinental title back. Long, but calls an Elias an idiot, which of course leads to a match. But they did tell us before, so it's kind of not a complete surprise. Yeah, it was a bit of a basic match, and there was a botch. So here's a botch. See if you notice it. So Elias and Balor are fighting, and the commentary table's right near the ring as well. So it comes, you know, you can see how close Balor is to him right now. And they might even fall in now, so they're not careful. Renault Young wearing a Dean Ambrose denim jacket. There you go. Shot to the midsection. Balor over. Sunset flip. One, two. Elias forgot to kick out. Well, referee forgot to count as well, so to be fair. Oh, was that meant to be the end of the match? Yeah. There you go. That's that's the end of the match there. So it wasn't any of the performers' botches, it was a referee bot. Yeah, and hopefully this... Ref- I don't want to say referee get fined, but after the shenanigans of the Ronda Rousey match, do you know what I mean? I definitely think that that referee should have a go. It's unfortunate that it's on the network. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that to be caught that way. And it's on something that people are going to watch as well because it's on part of the Shield's final chapter. Yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, therein lies a problem. But Elias gets back on the mic to sing, but the Riot Squad interrupt. And they will be renamed the Elias Squad. They all sing terribly, but luckily, Bailey interrupts and is teaming with Moon. Not Her Banks. tag team partner who she won the tag team titles well, with. after the phone call on SmackDown with Banks saying she couldn't make it, Bailey is all out for herself and is looking to team up with one of the newest members of the SmackDown roster in Ember Moon. And, of course, Liv Morgan is at ringside for a Wright and Morgan tagging together. 
Well, this is the last time Riot Squad with Liv Morgan as she's off to SmackDown to continue fighting Moon and Bailey on live shows. And Bailey's worked over for the majority. She judges Logan and looks for a tag but right in to stop the momentum, but suddenly she gets a hot tag to Moon, who's on fire, baby. And has Moon got more potential than Banks? Uh, James, you know, you're a huge Sasha Banks fan. So and you're a huge Ember yeah. Moon fan. I think I, both of them have won your Woman of the Year. But, but I tell you what, I, looking at this match and looking at Ember Moon, I think so. I think she can remain injury-free. I think Moon's got a ton of potential. I love Sasha Banks to bits, but if you like I said, the Banks contract situation, situation, she's in the back, and you look at she's. It's not like it was, you know. You have got people like Ember Moon. You have got people like Nikki Cross to come in and, and give the division a little bit of a kick with Bailey as well. And Banks has got to be careful, you know, because she might get, get forgotten about in WWE, and maybe she'll have to rebuild her career elsewhere. Cool know? elite wrestling. Yeah, exactly. But random thoughts aside, Liv gets involved and caught in a match, and she is out of there. I know you love that bit. Oh, yeah, it's Liv Morgan's involved. Look, referee's just like, come on now. So what's the referee do every time, Dan? Well, James, <laughs> he gives her a good shout into, and he's like, I've had enough of it. You out of here. And that is Liv Morgan gone from the right squad. The last time we will see them three together. And she walks away, and that's it. Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan by I themselves. I hate to see her go, James, but I love to see her walk away. Well, Ruby Riot doesn't know what's going on. Oh, boom! <laughs> Eclipse. <laughs> we love that movie. We haven't seen it in ages. I know. Two, three. I oh, sorry. I had to watch. Like I said, I haven't seen the Eclipse in so long. Um, not a bad match. Nah. And let's hope these two have chances for gold later on this year. Uh, we get a couple of adverts, and that leads us to a Shield promo. Yeah, so the last ever Shield promo ever, 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 Dan, ever. We promise. We promise ever the Shield. <laughs> Final Shield. Side. Each <laughs> fisted last time. Um, yeah, and you mentioned earlier, Renee Young's got the Dean Ambrose on her jacket. Early in the night, McLashen attacked Lucha House Party's match. Yeah, so Michael Cole says, can these three men be as dominant as the Shield? Um, <laughs> what do you reckon? No. No? No. Oh. Well, we get the entrances. If Drew gets pinned, I riot. Well, let's hope Ruby comes out <laughs> so... and you riot. Well, the Hills get on the mic and tell us that they will beat the Shield in the final chapter. No, what does Drew McIntyre say? <laughs> we'll beat the Shield in the final chapter. Well, the Shield! So let's watch the Shields entrance last ever time ever, ever, ever. Did you not see? I think it was a Roman Reigns thing. Like, uh, as I was just coming out to do this entrance, a cameraman says, or like, you know, someone interviewing him says, uh, so Romans, you're not concerned about being fired then? He said, look, it's not about me tonight. This is about Dean and his last match. And you see him climb over the barricade and prepare for their entrance. Oh, that's nice. And you can see Reigns got to look like he's taking it in at this Possibly could be the last time. You know, if Ambrose takes time off, decides to do something else for his life. Do you reckon he'll join another wrestling promotion? I can't see it at the moment, but I don't know what would happen in a year. Like you said, I don't know if he'll be Jericho, what he did, because Jericho just walked away and just didn't do anything for a couple of years and then came back. Maybe Ambrose looking for... I, I don't know if... It, I won't see it straight away. There'll definitely be a six-month year period. Maybe the build-up towards next year's WrestleMania... We might be asking, you know, Royal Rumble time, will Ambrose come back? Will he be, you know, I, I just don't see it in the next year or so. I think he's tired at the moment. But do you think, because, you know, we, we mentioned, obviously, that Dean Ambrose 
before he was injured, he had probably one of the most busiest schedules. He was wrestling 500 times mm. a year. Um, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, at least but, 700 times. Um, you know, I think with this, he's he's going out on very, very good terms with WWE. Do you think he'd want to kind of spoil things by joining the pissant company? I don't. Because the thing is, it's success in AEW. Is that equates to the success in WWE? When you look at what Ambrose has done, when he's done it all basically with, you know, WWE Championship reigns and money in the banks and everything like this, I feel that I'm only, this is only me guessing to be on the level of a Reigns or Rollins. And at the moment, he's being treated on the level of a Baron Corbin. Do you know what I mean? A mid-card guy. I think Ambrose wants to be a main eventer. I think if he goes away and then comes back, there's a chance he could become a main eventer again, you know? Do you think money is part of the subject? Because, you know, again, there has been rumours going around that Dean Ambrose has been offered a contract that would put him on the same amount of pay as... Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns are at WWE. I don't think it's about money with Ambrose. I think Ambrose is a bit like Punk. I think he's got his own goal in mind, and I think he's made enough money now where he doesn't have to worry about anything else he's done. I think that's the last seven years, Ambrose has been top, you know, in the top five earners. He, I wouldn't say, has a outlandish lifestyle, you know, like a Ric Flair or something like this. And I suppose he could just walk away from the business and never come back. This is why people don't like CM Punk, because he made enough money, so he doesn't need to come back now. You know, he's made for life now. And and a lot of wrestlers don't do that. And that's what leaves him bitter or twisted right back. But with Ambrose, it's a chance to go out. And like I said, when he, it builds excitement. So unlike Ryback, Dean Ambrose won't be selling custom videos of himself. <laughs> and he won't be... Not in a rude not that way. way. No. I, mean, oh, I don't be, think, anyway. No, let's hope not. That's, that's I not can, I'll show you some custom videos <laughs> of mine and they will be of a rude nature. But we talk about Ambrose, of course. Rollins, you know, is a made man protected than the curb stomp in WWE, I don't think. Uh, when we look at it, Universal Champion, obviously, you know what Roman Reigns is. These are the head of Raw and SmackDown. So what's Ambrose going to do? He's going to be in one of their shadows or go away and come back? Maybe he could be an even bigger star to feud with him. We've not seen an Ambrose well, versus you know, Reigns he, feud, he, have he, we? He could have uh, the Drew McIntyre treatment. I mean, you know, like he's he's doing well for himself. He's teaming up with Corbin and Lashley, two yeah. very highly successful former people well they're trying to build them up aren't they they've kept the three together for a reason on raw so i don't know why that is but obviously if mcintyre doesn't eat the pin i don't think that's important you know but <laughs> I, you talk about the shield and i think they've done you know, let's talk about three man groups and you know WWE kind of milked it a lot and i don't think the past couple of years has been great for the shield i think it's not tarnished their legacy but it's just not been right has it you know well you know i think on the night that Dean Ambrose turned on Seth Rollins, that was a huge mistake. That should never have happened. Yep. Um, the bit I absolutely loved with The Shield is, and it gave me goosebumps watching it, because I remember seeing it again and again, and that was when they finally fisted in the ring. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, you know, when they finally came back together again. Yeah. And I think it was Roman Reigns says, well, the trouble is, or was it Seth Rollins says, I'm not alone. Yes, and then you know that was a huge pop as well. I think things, you know, they they should have just done like a kind of you know they split up, do their own thing for a bit, then they get back together again. You know, but it, when it, needs it, must. That, but the problem was was that they came back. Reigns was injured for TLC. Then they had Kurt Angle and and Triple H and people like that taking his place, which didn't feel right. And then the following year with Reigns 
with uh, leukemia as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's been out of their hands. But I think the original Shield, uh, 2012 to 2014, was probably one of the groups in WWE history as well. And you think about the amount of quality six-man tag team matches. They must have had at least, you know, one in, on Raw or SmackDown week in, week out. And they were just so much fun. You know, the Shield were really something else. And there's not been the kind of new talent to come in and change it like the Shield has. And that's why they're getting treated like this. Not since 2002 with the kind of the class that they had. Has three guys debuted at the same time and just had that much success, you know, when you think about multiple times. Oh, yeah, you know, they're certainly um, a very dominant force. You know, all the reason to it as well, you know, the way that they came in, they surround the ring, they, you know, they didn't give a fuck about anything or anyone and they, I think they just worked as a concept. Without a doubt. You know, you're you're yeah. never going to be able to replicate something like that, you know, with the Wyatts. You can see how that's kind of fallen by the wayside. You've got Bray's Funhouse, Eric Rowan is kind of not doing much nowadays, Braun Strowman's kind of had a failed push, Luke Harper's kind of got six months till he's out of here. Well, no, this is the thing now, and this is incredible when you think about the Shield and the Whites. When they faced off at Elimination Chamber, I think 20... Let me work this out. 2014. It's one of my favourite matches of all time. And you think about the treatment from the Whites from the Shield and what happened since then. With Bray, yeah, Bray White became WWE Champion. But the, the treatment, and Ambrose leaving and getting this kind of hoopla and all this kind of network specials about his final chapter. And Harper, who was a part of the Whites... Um, like I said, being treated the way he is, having his contract extended so he'll be around until WrestleMania next year now because he wants to leave. You know, so it's weird. The Shield were never beaten, either like, the Sp- I-, I mentioned the Spirit Squads or fucking Nexus or League of Nations. The Shield, core. The court Shield were never beaten uh, like one of them. Not one man has the better of them. It had to be a team. It had to be like uh, Daniel Bryan, Kane, Untaker versus it had to be John Cena, Ryback, Big Show against them. It couldn't just be on three on one match. That's what took it away, if you know what I mean. That, and that's what, what protected the Shield so well, and it, and it made it work, you know. I, the Shield were brilliant. It's every mannerisms, everything they've done, you know. Credit to WWE for having such a good, with, with the Shield. At this point in time, it's just, you're just waiting for the Shield to end now. I'm not I'm not having a go at them for that, but we've seen this match, you know what I mean, multiple times as Arbo's getting worked on. It has been, you know, mainly all this Shield. I think it's just one last exhibition for him. Do you think they wasted it on a live show? It's a special, and that's what I quite like about it in a weird way. And Arbo's been worked on this past five minutes, and maybe McLash and are as dangerous as the Shield. No, Dean Ambrose ducks a clothesline attempt and hits... A neck breaker on Drew McIntyre. So am I going to have to put my Dean Ambrose shirt alongside my TJ Perkins <laughs> shirt, my Enzo Amore shirt now? Yeah, you're going to have your recently released wrestler's shirts. Well, Seth Rollins gets tagged in. He's on fire, baby. Jumps over the head of Corbin. Ducks underneath a clothesline attempt. Swing blade. And then goes flying over the top rope. Takes out McIntyre. And your universal champion is feeling it tonight, but just got caught round the throat by Corbin. He was looking for a choke slam, but Seth Rollins with a backslide rolls him up, but only gets a two. Two. Super kick to the jaw. Is Seth going to burn it down? The King Slayer and the Beast Slayer and the Architect. And he's got more names than the Cerebral Assassin, Triple H, the Game, the King of Kings, Kirst Helmsley. 
Well, Corbin up to his feet, gets caught with a kick. McIntyre deposited outside again. And that gives Corbin a chance to club Rollins from behind. So we're going to have a superplex from Corbin and Lashley on Seth Rollins. So Seth fighting out of both men. Punching Corbin and Lashley. Drops Bobby Lashley. And then drops Corbin as well. Flying crossbody. Gets the tag into Reigns. Huge clothesline to Lashley. Eliminates Corbin from the rumble. Well, Roman goes for Superman punch. But it's caught by Lashley. Oh, delivers one to Corbin. But Lashley catches him with a... Back uh, elbow. Well, back elbow. And then Reigns does like a lunatic Superman punch. <laughs> off, you know, bouncing off the second rope. Reigns looking for Ambrose. Gets a tag in. Ambrose gets the hot tag. He's perched on top. Huge clothesline takedown to Lashley. Goes for the cover. Oh, but Drew making the save. Well, now McIntyre just pummeling Dean Ambrose. And that's part why Ambrose is leaving. Just the amount of beatings he's had for McIntyre. <laughs> they know it raw. And that's great tag team in there. McIntyre putting Lashley in the corner. Tagging in Corbin now. And they do remind me of the Shield a little bit. They're going to finish Dean Ambrose. Suplex time. No, Seth catches him. Gives him a safe landing. But both of them get clocked. Lunatic Lariat from Ambrose and a super kick from Rollins. Lashley's recovered. Look for the Dominator, but Ambrose blocking it. Oh, Ambrose gets down. Shield from Reigns. Uh, spear from Reigns. And now Rollins there. Stomped to, Corb uh, stomped to McIntyre. I forgot his name then. And Corbin caught with dirty deeds. And Ambrose got a far away look in his eyes. He could have pinned him and finished it there. But that's not how the Shield go down. He tags in Roman Reigns. Reigns tags in Seth Rollins. And is this going to be it now? Roman Reigns, Ambrose, Rollins for the last time. Ooh-rah! Triple powerbomb for the fans. Rollins, Rollins with the cover. Three. And the Shield win the final chapter here. Dan, what do you think of that match? It was it was a good ex exhibition match for the three guys. I think it was a good way to go out on a high. Um, hopefully, we'll it won't be the last time ever we see them. You know, maybe in a year or two's down the line, Dean Ambrose, you know, might replenish his love for the business. Because you know, I'd, as much as I hate to see him leave, but you don't want to see someone stick around who's. It's kind of like he's lost his mojo and he's lost his passion for it. You want to see him, you know, regenerate himself, come back even stronger, better, and see how things go a few years down the line. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we see with Dean Ambrose. I mean, we definitely know Rollins and Reigns are going to be leading the charge for WWE in the next few years as they celebrate it now. But I don't think it was a bad match. Like I said, I think you knew he was going to win from the outset. It looks like it's going to be a shield final time, but Seth's got the microphone. A lot of respect and admiration for Ambrose, but, you know, you kind of feel why he, he wants to take time out. But it's nice, like you said, to leave. Not the right way, but, you know, he's gone now. He's not moaned about missing mania, is he, or that paycheck there, and he's... Well, if there's a way to leave, this is probably the best way to do mm. it. Saying that, though, Seth Rollins is one of the few guys to win the, the title in a proper heel fashion and win it in a proper babyface fashion as well, because... Reigns is one of the baby fake fashion, but he's not going to win it in the heel fashion, is he? Seth saying he couldn't have done it without the shield. Yeah, he wouldn't have done it if he hadn't have turned his back on the shield. So yeah. Dean Ambrose doesn't make it about himself the last moment leaving. He puts up his shield brothers. 
Is that a noble thing to do? No, that's a lovely thing. Ambrose's best on the mic he's been in years. Are they going to fist each other one last time in the ring? I think so. It looks like that way. Three fists. There's Rollins, there's Ambrose. And there's Reigns. And for the final time, the Shield. Now, what an impact the Shield has had in WWE. In, you know, of all, look about the greatest teams of all time. So again, not a bad program on a WWE Network. Something a little bit special, a little bit of a house show, but it made it into an important event, seeing as the Shield were involved. So I quite enjoyed it in that way, you know. Even the Intercontinental Title match of the women's match was enjoyable enough. And you Shield, and their final chapter is over. It is. But James, as we know, once the final chapter's over and the book's closed, we can always start another book. Exactly. Well, we move on. Last bit of new content, April 28th. For documentary fans, Beyond the Ring returns with a DDP documentary. Uh, positively living WWE DVD in 2017 for those wondering. And we move on now to 205 Live. And it is episode 124, April 9th. It's a new era for 205 Live as Tony Nese captured the Cruiserweight Championship from Buddy Murphy on the kickoff show prior to WrestleMania 35. But would his reign be short-lived? We would soon find out as Nese-Murphy rematch was set to be the main event for the post-WrestleMania episode of 205 Live. But before we got to that, this is Humberto Carrillo. On commentary, Nigel McGuinness, who may be WWE's business announcers, teased that Gallagher hadn't been listening to Drew Gulak based on the recent defeat against Lucha House Party. Gulak joined the announcers booth for this bout. Nothing like he didn't get a, like he didn't get to appear at WrestleMania, but he did put forth strong efforts in three matches at Access, where he was refreshing for a hill. Well, as expected for a Gallagher match, the tone was very technical from the beginning. While Humberto offered a total contrast by focusing on the purple brand wood. Even based on the theme of the program on aerial tactics, Vic Joseph asked Drew what would happen if the superstar shake-up split Gulak from Gallagher, with Gulak saying that he'd hope to keep in touch via social media. Well, as the pace quickened, Humberto hit a twisted scent onto the floor. Alex Humberto bounced off the ropes by turning his back from left to right, which was unusual. After some nifty strikes by both, Gulak pushed Humberto off the ropes to cause disqualification, though he continued attacking Calarilla afterwards. He was actually stopped by Gallagher, who, a babyface turn for Jack, it seems. I'd love that, and if he puts his lovely stripy chunks back on, it would be absolute perfection. <laughs> well, backstage, Drake Maverick confirmed another battle between Only Lorcan and Cedric Alexander for next week. And our main event is a WWE Cruiserweight Championship match. It's Tony Nese versus Buddy Murphy. And if Buddy Murphy loses two matches on the bounce, he must be shit. Just saying. Well, you know that main event is going to be a lot. Uh, going to be a long time where you got all left as the entrances begin. 
Well, following some backstage promos by both champion and challenger, it was time for our WrestleMania rematch. Well, the announcers bring us fictitious fan discussion about Bayface getting a fluke victory in order to prove people wrong in the rematch. And I'll never get old of that. And we watched the WrestleMania match between the two. And it was an excellent match. Maybe not as good as maybe I thought it could have been. Uh, but to be on first at WrestleMania, you know, kind of showed some talent to get the fans into it, which they did. And of course, Nice winning, it was a major upset. Major upset. But I'm hoping my man Buddy Murphy can retain or get back the Cruiserweight Championship and run 205 Live like he's done in the past 12 months. Side headlock by Nice, but Murphy just powers him down. And these two men just so evenly matched as well. They've been friends for so long. So this is a very interesting matchup between the two. Yes, of course. And Tony Nice thoroughly earned his opportunity here. Well, I doubt, you know, coming through the hard. Uh, qualifying process to get an opportunity at Murphy and Murphy who has been the dominant champion since October got unstuck and Tony Nice might just have Buddy's number oh flying back well I suppose you know um, after hitting a flying back elbow goes for a cover but only a two count but two. Um, you know someone who's worked and trained with Buddy Murphy you kind of know his strengths and weaknesses so you know you know what to watch out for and you know what to hit him with so maybe that's where he's kind of come unstuck. Maybe Tony Nice was kind of playing the long game by becoming friends with him in the first place, trying to lull him into a full sense of security, and then when the moment strike, bang! Yeah, maybe Murphy Nice was the most dangerous man on the roster. So you, keep, you know, keep your enemies even closer, didn't you? In that way, as uh, and this is the thing with Murphy, and we've seen with Nice not really had an opportunity to shine as of yet. And the first chance he does. You know, he's kind of made it all the way through, which is a surprise. But I'm a huge fan of Tony Nice as well. There's no doubt about that. Well, you know, even before Muddy Murphy came along, he was a fan of Tony Nice and his abs. Without a doubt, you know. And he crept his back elbow. Moonsault, but Murphy... Oh, a Matrix-style leap and a nip-up <laughs> underneath the clothesline. And uh, a great combination. A couple of kicks and a trip, and it goes for a cover. But again, only another two count. Two... Tony Nice, can you see him going on to be a dominant champion? Well, it'd be interesting. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of a change. No offence to Tony Nice, but we've seen the dominant champion on 205 Live a bit too many times. I wouldn't mind seeing the title change every once in a while, you know, or, or, every couple of months just to kind of freshen it up a little bit. Not that I want to see Nice losing... If it, you against Lince Dorado. Yeah, yeah, or against anybody coming up, you know, but... But Murphy now is in a bit of trouble. He just pulled up with a knee. And this doesn't look good at all for Muddy Murphy. I think he's faking. How he's faking? You see the landing there. He jumped over knees and right onto that knee. He's caused some trouble in the past. I think he's faking. Oh, this is his biggest opportunity. This is his title rematch. And Charles Robson, probably the best official in the business there. Still think he's faking. As soon as Nice turns his back... That's where Murphy's going to attack. No, Murphy's slowly getting to his feet. And Nice turned his back, <laughs> and Murphy did attack. Well, Murphy there takes advantage. But who's who's more stupid, the fool that gets fooled by the fool? Yes, it is. Nice is the idiot here. Him and Charles Robinson, who should know. And look at that, just folds Tony Nice up Barry Cade. Take <laughs> any you know advantage. Well, did Exactly. Does Murphy know that he can't beat him straight up one-on-one, so he has to fake an injury, wait till his back's turned to get the upper hand on him? 
Now, Mike Sutton, we've mentioned... Is he it, that worried by Tony Nese? By his abs? Any means necessary to walk away as cruiserweight champion. That's Because he's Murphy not good do. enough to do it one-on-one straight up. If Murphy can't get the job done then, then yeah, take shortcuts. As long as he leaves champion, you won't be asking in questions in six months' time. So what if he... He uh, he cheated and fooled his way and still didn't win. Does that make him worse than useless? It doesn't make him worse than useless. It just means he maybe needs a new challenge. But we'll get on to that in a bit. It's Murphy. He's going to win the Cruiserweight title back down. He just sent Nice up against Barricade twice. He sent him over the announce table. Nice is down and nearly out. I mean, what kind of man couldn't actually win the match from here? I think this is a fluke. I think Nice's win at WrestleMania was a fluke. And we're seeing this right now with Murphy's performance. With all the dominance from Buddy Murphy, if he's to throw it away now, he's seriously got problems. As he running knee left, goes for the cover, but only a two count. Two... And Nice now showing the heart, determination of a true champion and warrior. It's not about getting to the top of the mountain and winning it. It's being able to keep hold of it. And that's what he's finding here tonight against Murphy. Who hits his running suplex, goes for another cover. But Nice managing to kick out. Uh-huh. I mean, he's in full control. Tony Nice is absolutely spent. To not win it from here, there must be something wrong with you. Well, Murphy's sending Nice into the corner. And just coming down on Tony Nese. And you can see the hatred between these two men. You might as well call him your champion again, James. Yeah, honestly. Buddy Murphy is your champion. And if he doesn't, God curse me down where I sit. Well, Nice now trying to dodge the onslaught for Murphy. Catching him with the right hand. Murphy's a little bit stunned. Nice comes running in. Gets tossed over the top rope. And our Tony Nice looks like he's in some sort of trouble there as Buddy Murphy looks to go flying, sailing over the top rope with ease and rolling through, pretty much landing on his feet nearly there, almost, not quite. <laughs> but still quite impressive, nearly, isn't Throws it? Throws him back in, almost <laughs> was, very nearly quite a good move. And now Murphy going up, looking to finish knees. Double, Double knees. knees. This is it, got to be over. Two. Two. Oh. Uh, I know you're becoming a Murphy fan whilst you're watching this. I as know, well. and if he doesn't win a title back, I will never be a fan of his ever again. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll see more Buddy Murphy matches, whether it be on 205 Live as champion or down the road somewhere else. Main event going against Mojo <laughs> Rawley. <laughs> <laughs> Dream match. As <laughs> uh, long as Murphy wins. Well, you talked about earlier Murphy's frustrations with Nice, and I think we're seeing it now. You know, we saw the trying to beat down, put him away, didn't work, and now we're seeing the, the wearing Nice down. But Nice is not going away at this point. I mean, he's mounted his back now. Buddy Murphy on the back of Tony Nice, and he's got a rear chin lock on. But Nice backing Murphy up into the corner after Murphy was in such confident control to throw all the way now. Well, Murphy, silly. Murphy with a boot to Nice. And now he's got that second rope. Tornado DDT now hangs him up over the top rope. Now Murphy going up, but Nice following him. Well, a forearm by Nice sent Murphy back, and I think he hit the back of his head on Barry Cade. Yes, or he landed awkwardly on his knee as well. And that's what you get for playing Wolf. No one's going to believe you if you are actually injured. Did I? You cried Wolf. Yes, you did, yes. Wolf from the Gladiators. And Nice sends him down. And Murphy is struggling to the outside, trying to break the count. Nice is struggling to get to his feet. Murphy grabs a leg of Nice, though. <laughs> oh, leg drop across the back of the head. 
Says Murphy back outside. And here comes Nice. Oh, oh, and that was even more spectacular. He actually landed on his feet, James. All right. And not only was it just a plain senton over the top, it was a corkscrew as well. You can't say it was a plain senton by Murphy, but Nice has got Murphy's looking at him. No, he's going to get a bit of retribution, throwing him into barricade. Throw him into another barricade by the timekeeper's area as well. Uh-oh, Murphy's in a wee bit of trouble now. That's it. And then throw him over the announce table, just for good measure. And Nice breaking the cap. Referee needs to come out here and control this. Nice can't be allowed to throw Murphy around here. Well, what's good for the goose, James, is good for the gander. But oh. Murphy manages to get away from it. Nice into the announce table. Oh, Murphy comes charging him, sidestepped by Tony Nice. <laughs> oh, no. And now it's his turn to go fucking <laughs> hell. He didn't even touch the announce table. Straight over the top. <laughs> As Nigel McGuinness drops his uh, commentary gear and scarpers out of dodge. And now Nice has got Murphy, throws him in. And Nice looking to go up. Murphy comes, but he gets thrown away again. And Murphy's up there with... Tony Nice, what's going on here? He's got him in his shoulders, but Nice fighting off. Kick to the face, and now, what? That's brilliant. Tony Nice jumped all the way up to lovely Hurricane Rana, goes for the cover. Two. Oh. No, only a two count. Two. And now Murphy's got Nice on the apron, stepping on the second rope. But Nice wise to that, pulls him through. Oh, a lovely springboard moonsault as Tony Nice was draped, uh, as Buddy Murphy was draped over the second rope. But Only gets the two count. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, Murphy managed to kick out. And this has been an all-out war between the two. I mean, the longer this match goes on, the more it plays into Buddy Murphy. He knows what it takes to win a championship match. Well, Tony Nice now knows, but he needs to know what it's like to retain. Like I said, Murphy's reign was excellent, probably the best in 205 Live history. But it's about now, isn't it? With Tony Nice going for the kick, Murphy blocking it. Murphy now. Nice has got Murphy. Pump handle driver to. Oh. Oh, Murphy managing to kick out. Ah. And now it's Nice getting frustrated that he can't put Murphy away. It must have been a fluke, Tony Nice beating Buddy Murphy. And now Murphy. It's 205 Live's best kept secret. <laughs> and now Murphy put on the top turnbuckle. Buddy Murphy's going to get out of this. Oh, uh, he does actually. He does, yeah. <laughs> Tucks his head. Super kick as Tony Nice's head was against the turnbuckle. Sit out power bomb. This has got to be it. Two. Oh. oh. Nice somehow managed to get a shoulder up at two. Two. All it takes is a Murphy's Law, and this is over. Well, we haven't seen that yet, have we? And, of course, we know how the double knees are dangerous as well. Each man not giving their best shot just yet. Come on, buddy Murphy. You can do this. I believe in you. And now Murphy's got a hold of Nice's arms. And and knee to the jaw. No, Nice no. caught it. And now Murphy's slapping him. But caught with a forearm. Oh, and a suplex into the turnbuckles from Nice. And now Nice has got him in perfect position for the running Tony Nice. Here comes Nice, but Murphy up. Drags him through the second rope. Looks to maybe suplex him, but cut the boots by Murphy. <laughs> and a huge running knee turns Nice inside out. Tony Nice is done. 
There's well, no look, way he could retain this title now. That looks right out of a superhero movie. Both men flying outside. And Nice is maybe dead weight here now, but Murphy's struggling to get him in. As he looks at the announcer's table, back to Nice, back to the announcer's table. It's about a title, not about Nice. Murphy's forgetting at the moment. And Murphy's got something planned for Nice now. And the referee might have to stop this match for Tony Nice's safety. TKO. Or maybe Nice was just tricking Murphy oh, like he was. He's still dead weight. Murphy breaks the count. Oh, and Tony Nees backdrops Murphy through the announce table. I think Nees might be playing possum. Hello, possums. Oh, referee up to eight. Murphy struggling to get in. No, not like this. Oh, just in time. Leaving Charles Robson like that was close. And Nees looking at Murphy. Can't believe the fight. Well, neither man can get up to their feet. And now both men just trading big blows now. And Murphy with a nice combination. Kicks. Oh, oh Nice side swipes the knee. Hits him with a super kick. But Murphy follows that up with a huge clothesline. Turns him inside out. Gut wrench. His first slam. Oh, only a two count though. Two. Oh, Murphy couldn't put away Tony Nice then. He can't believe it. And now he's going to look... To finish it with Murphy's Law. It is all over now. Knees up. Bang. Murphy's Law. Hits it. One, two, two three. Oh. Whoa. Well, I don't believe it. Knees managing to kick out. Uh-huh. What the hell? What is it going to take? Oh, no. Take another Murphy's Law. No. Huge knee to the face. Second knee to the face. And here we go. Picks him up for the suplex. No, Nice with a backslide. Oh! Reverse Rana. Oh, Murphy's caught in the corner. Can Nice take advantage? Boom! Right in the kisser. Not like this. Running knees. A second running knee. That one was a flying knee. One, One, two, two, three. three. And the greatest Cruiserweight champion of all time loses to Tony Nice, who retains in a absolute classic matchup there between the two. Brilliantly told story from the offset and a, and a truly back and forth match as well. We don't really see it rarely nowadays. We see it now. Murphy gave Nice his best shot, couldn't get the job done. And Nice put away with two running knees. Dan, what are your thoughts? It was a good match, yeah. You know, as you say, the good story told with uh, Murphy kind of using anything it takes. The f- couple of barricade shots, throwing him over the announce table. That was kind of good how Tony Nice kind of got the revenge on him for that. Um, you know, the backdrop as well, just breaking the count. And then finally, you know, with a running knee and kind of like a jumping flying knee as well. But does it kind of make the Murphy's Law look a bit redundant now that... Tony Nice kicked out of it. No, uh, no, I love it. It's this kind of reminds me of the old-fashioned territory styles of like your your man's left now. He's going to move on, and he puts the champion over the right way. You know, gives him his finish to kind of get a joke. It makes Nice look awesome. You know, so Nice needs all the help he can to become a, a great cruiserweight champion himself, and to have this as a match mm. is great. Murphy will definitely recover from this. You know, Murphy is a class act. He's getting better and better. And another thing I really liked is that he tweeted out as well after this, like. 
I, I dominated the Cruiserweight Championship for 12 months. A man come along who was, who was better than me at that time, Tony Nese, congratulations, you're going to be a great Cruiserweight Champion. You know, so Murphy is left 205 alive now. That's not the end of the Murphy story. He's going to face Velveteen Dream late for the North American Championship. But the story now is Tony Nese, and I think credit to him, you know. So can Buddy Murphy reinvent himself after leaving 205 Live? I think he can, and I think we're going to see the kind of growing of Murphy. Tony Nese, he needs help becoming challengers with that. So he's gone from NXT to 205 Live. Is he going back to NXT then, like if he's going against VD? Well, we'll find out what happens after NXT. Uh, So we move on to our next episode, which is episode 125, the 16th of April. Yes, Cruiserweight Champion, your new Cruiserweight Champion, Tony Nese welcomes everybody to 205 Live. He says he did the impossible and seen shockwaves through all of 205 Live by winning the Cruiserweight Championship at WrestleMania. He proved, he proved it wasn't a fluke two nights later when he beat Buddy again. Tony says he would like to sit back and enjoy his childhood dream. It's a new era in 205 Live and he'll be a fighting champion. He says it's time to find his next challenger. Will it be Drew Gulak, Kalisto or Akira Tozawa? Will it be someone he has not faced before? We're in Quebec, Canada and you announce a Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Aiden English. Well, Drake Maverick is at ringside with the announced team and Vic mentions Cedric Alexander's match and asks if this is his last match on 205 Live. Drake says if this is his last match on 205, he wants to thank Cedric for all he has done. Well, the Luch House Party comes out. They want to know who is ready for Luch House Party. Lynch says Grand Metallic is going to tear the house down tonight. So it is Grand Metallic versus Ariavari versus Mike Kanellis with Maria Kanellis versus Akira Tazawa. Tavari goes to the floor to watch the other three men. Tazawa and Metallic go after Kanellis and kick him and hit a double drop kick. Metallic with a handspring flip followed by a slingshot arm drag. Tazawa with a kick and a head scissors from the turnbuckles. Tavari a close on Tazawa to stop a dive to the floor. Metallic with a springboard drop kick to Tavari. Kanellis with chops to Metallic but Metallic with an Irish whip and he's sent to the apron. Metallic with a crossbody to Canellis and Davari. Tazar with an octopus and Canellis and Davari break it up. All four men down and Davari is first to his feet. Davari sends Metallic to the corner. And Metallic with an Irish whip and Davari goes to the apron. Davari with a shoulder, but Metallic with a kick and a runner that sends Davari off the apron onto Canellis. Can I carry on? Canellis with chops on the turnbuckles. Canellis sets for Tazawa and knocks Canellis off with a forearm. Tazawa goes for the back senton, but Canellis gets his knees up and Canellis with a swing reverse neck breaker. Metallic breaks up the cover. Canellis sends Metallic to the floor and Davari sends Canellis to the floor and gets the free count on Tazawa. Winner, Aria Davari. We see only Lorcan in the back and he says, since the cruiserweight division has been recreated, Cedric Alexander has been the anchor of the division. Everything comes to an end. And he says he wants to lead this division into the future if he cannot not worthy to be the leader. And Cedric Alexander says it is a huge opportunity to go to Raw. He can build his legacy and that is what he is proud of. No matter what he does going forward, he will remember what he did to build 205 Live. He told Oni he could lead this division one day and Oni thinks that day is today. Cedric says he's not going down without a fight. We're back from commercial. Next week, Drew Gulak faces Humberto Carrillo. And this match is... Cedric Alexander versus Only Lorkin, who's had a haircut and a shave. Yes, Only Lorkin. So he looks weird to you, doesn't he? You don't he like him. Do- <laughs> it doesn't, no. It looks really different. <laughs> He's not a friendly only that he was with Danny Birch. He's got a more aggressive attitude. And he wants to beat the heart and the soul 
or the, the heart, anchor, the anchor of Two Hundred Five Live in Alexander, who is his last appearance, and we talked about what happens for Murphy, what happens for Cedric, and uh, Cedric got moved to Raw, and Buddy Murphy's on his way to SmackDown, so it is going to be a new division. We talk, who have dominated the division for the past couple of years. Can only Lorcan be the man to take it up? You know, we've seen in the early going of this, his style is very different from what people might be used to in the cruiserweights. More kind of like Drew Gulak with a very technical and taking Alexander down. He can't really get started in this one. But we both absolutely love Annie Lorcan and Danny Birch. Right. I know Danny Birch isn't here, but, you know, as a tag team, they're great. Would you rather have them together as a tag team or only in singles action? I love them as a tag team. Together. Cedric jumps over the top. Only Lorcan turns around, gets caught. Oh, Rana throws him. Walks into a drop kick. Alexander goes down low, takes the knees out, and then a kick to the head. And now Cedric him in this match. It's taken him a little while, only he's been on top. He looked like he flew with a bit of hesitation, though. And only sidestepped him and threw him into barricade. And now throws him into the LED boards at the edge of the ring. Well, the thing is, you've got to say, Cedric might not be focused on this match. You know, he knows he's moving to Raw. You know, he might be featured more, you know, looking towards the future. But we're only looking, this is the future. He says if he can't beat Cedric, he doesn't deserve to be in this division. So he's more focused. And Cedric maybe has got the eye. Taking his eye off the ball, maybe. He's got a bit of gut wrench, just choking all the life out of him. Cedric now getting out of it, finally. Taking down only. Drop kick. Oh, oh, a huge drop kick to the back of the head. And now Cedric, to this match. Clothesline, back elbow. Now catching Oni's kick. Huge spinning back elbow. Knocks Oni into the corner. Or a man who looks like Oni, anyway. <laughs> Cedric runs in only to the outside. Kick to the back of the head. Springboards in. Face first to the mat. One, two, oh. Well, somehow Lorca managing to kick out. Uh. And now both men just exchanging chops here. Vicious offence. Only now on the second rope. Goes to a blockbuster, but Cedric dodges. Michinoku driver. Oh, no. Lorcan managing to kick out. Uh -huh. Now Cedric taking down the arm pad. He means business. Looking for the lumbar chair, but only Lorcan very wisely holding on to the head. And knocked only silly. And now Cedric with another kick. Looking to finish this now. Handspring. Oh, but a huge uppercut. Oh, what? Back <laughs> from Lorcan as Alexander was running in. And now only looking to finish him off for that half Nelson suplex. But Cedric blocking with all his life. Oh, and only Lorcan going down low with a chop block. A huge powerbomb. Rolls him up for the cover. And turns it over for the half Boston Crab. Not a wasted motion there for Oni. Now Cedric was struggling with that bottom rope, but Lorcan's pulling him right back in and sat down now. And now Lorcan with a chop just sending Cedric into the corner. And now Lorcan putting Alexander on the top turnbuckle. Now Lorcan's going to try and hit something big to put away Alexander. Half Nelson off the top. But Alexander holding on and trying to fight off only Lorcan as much as he can. Hangs him up on the top rope. And now Alexander looks to try and take advantage. Cedric flying over the top rope. Takes down Lorcan. <laughs> Lorcan sent in now. Alexander looking to put him away. Alexander looking to springboard his way back in. 
And a huge uppercut by Lorkin as Alexander was on his way into the ring. I don't think he just caught him on the chin. I think he caught him by surprise as well. And now both men just up face to face. And it's been a war of attrition here tonight. And we still don't know which way this is going to go. And now it's Alexandra and Lorcan exchanging huge chops and right hands. As they're perched in a very precarious position on the edge of the ring apron. One false move and someone's going down. Oh, but I love this move by Lorcan. Just catches Cedric round the face. And Lorcan's got a devious look on his, in his eyes. Oh. Lorcan looking for one more, but Alexander catches him. And now it's Cedric's turn to hit him with some slaps. Big boot to the face. But Lorcan is still there to take the punishment. Catches the third attempt, spins him round. Oh my God, Lorcan's got Cedric. Half and half on the <laughs> ring apron. And Alexander folded up like an accordion. As Lorcan throws him back into the ring. I don't think Cedric knows where he is. Clothesline oh! turns Alexander inside out. Cedric still scrambling around. Half and <laughs> half again in the ring. Lorcan. One, two, three. Yeah. And only Lorcan beats the soul and the anchor. And uh, the legend, which is Cedric Alexander here on 205 Live. What do you think of the match, Dan? Um, boring, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest with you. Until the end segments, it was boring. Um, I know we say about telling a story in, like, you know, a longer match is normally better. But this one, you could have told the story in a shorter match. I know it's... It kind of boils down to the determination of only Lorcan and finally getting over on Cedric Alexander as he's leaving as well. Yeah, that is a good point for him, but, you know, it was far too long. Yeah, of course it was. Uh, so, but <laughs> that therein lies the problem, you know, because of the styles and everything like this. It, it was a good match, but sometimes giving too much and Lorcan now afterwards, we can see a bit of respect. Oh, two oh five, a lot of crowd respecting Cedric. So is Lorcan going to put himself over as a face or a heel? Well, no, he's offering the hand. And after that war, Lorcan thanking him. You can see the battle scars. And Cedric left to get the respect to 205 Live. And he's been a great competitor on this brand as well, ever since the start of the CWC. And he moves on now to hopefully bigger and better things. Fair play to him, but fair play to Andy Lorcan as well for getting the victory. Anyway, move on. Episode 126, and it's the 23rd of April. All right, well, Drew Gulak welcomes us to 205 Live. He says, up is down, and down is up. He understands if you are confused. Tony needs to fight the odds to become the champion. Sedge Cuddy Murphy leave 205 Live. Only Lorkin faces Aria Davari to determine Tony Nice's opponent. Drew says the Cruiserweight title will eventually be around his waist, but he has unfinished business against his ungrateful student. Humberto Carrillo. Humberto will learn the lesson that when you step to Drew Gulak, you will tap out. Well, we are in Lincoln, Nebraska. We announced our Vic Joseph and Aidan English. Nigel is in assignment at the UK Performance Centre, so they are joined by David Utunga. Well, Jack Gallagher said he had to get some stitches, so he could not be there tonight. Jack asked, what has Drew Gulak done for him? Drew used Jack to further his goals. His suspicions were confirmed in his match against Humberto. You will respect him as an adversary. So match number one, Drew Gulak versus Humberto Carrillo. They lock up and Drew gets a near fall. And then they wrestle for an hour. <laughs> right, let's try and work this one out. Uh, 
Gulak tries to ground him early and try and take the speed and force that Humberto Carrillo is kind of known for. We've seen him recently. He's been impressive, hasn't he, Dan Humberto? You know, he has. Yes, he's uh, he's a good high flying fellow with his little boing flip. Yeah, I don't think it's called boing flip, but we were impressed with what we saw. Uh, but Gulak can grind with the best of them, one of the best technical wrestlers uh, out there and just trying to stop and trying to take Carrillo off his game. But Carrillo, Gulak would control most of the match, but like you said, Carrillo gets the upset victory, I would say, by many. You know, what did you think of the match, Dan? Uh, it was quite a long match. <laughs> Lots happened in the match. Um, but it wasn't terrible and it kind of put in Carrillo over. But what are they going to do with Gulak now? I mean, he's come close. Yeah, I mean, this therein lies the problems of pushing Carrillo. You would see Gulak was a good adversary for Nice. But are they going to go with that? Or are they going to go with maybe Jack and uh, Carrillo teaming up for a little bit as well? Well, we go to Only Larkin and he says he's been training and making sacrifices for more than 10 years. He wanted to go to the WWE and become a champion. It stands between him and a title match, Aria Davari. He's not about flash. He just wants to fight. Well, Davari says once he got his uh, priority straight, he has been untouchable. He's undefeated in 2019. He does not care if it's only Larkin, Tony Nese, or the entire roster. Nobody will stop him from be- being the next Cruiserweight champion. Well, we're back from commercial, and Drake Maverick is telling Maria Canellis that she's getting involved in her husband's matches. Shows up, and Drake tells him to stay back. Maria says that Tazara is a coward. Brian says Tazawa can do his own fights. Brian says he's leaving because he is only a distraction. Akira Tazawa attacks Mike Kinnis and then he's held back and that allows Mike to punch Tazawa. Well, before our main event starts, the Cruiserweight champion Tony Nese makes his way to the ring to, to join commentary for the match. And the uh, main event is Tavari versus Lorkin in an unborn contendership match. Well, they look up and Lorkin with a clean break. They look up and Lorkin with a hammerlock and Tavari with a reversal. Lorcan escapes a hammerlock, clothesline attempt by Davari. They go for a test of strength, but Davari with a kick. Lorcan avoids a hammerlock, clothesline, and Davari avoids a half-and-half half suplex. Davari goes for the floor, Lorcan with a side headlock, and Davari with a cobra clutch. But Lorcan gets to the ropes, and Davari releases a hold. Lorcan with a side headlock takedown, Davari gets a north near fall with a roll-up, while Lorcan holds on to the side headlock. Davari goes for a suplex, but Lorcan counters and hits a suplex of his own. Lorcan with a European uppercuts. Lorcan with a kick and a chop, followed by a drop kick that sends Davari to the floor. Lorcan with a pescado. I can't say the fucking word. Pescado. Davari with an elbow to escape the half and half attempt. Davari with a boot and he comes off the turnbuckles, but Lorcan with a European uppercut and a running blockbuster for a near fall. Lorcan sets for a half and half, but Davari with an arm drag and super kick. Davari with a million dollar dream and he adds the body scissors. Well, the referee checks on Lorkin and he keeps the arm from hitting the mat. Lorkin powers out of the hold and he snaps Davari and hits a running European uppercut. Lorkin puts Davari on the turnbuckles and he goes for the half and half suplex, but Davari with elbows to stop Lorkin and knocks Lorkin to the mat. Well, Davari misses a fog splash. Lorkin with a running clothesline to the corner and he hits a running hip strike. Lorkin runs into a super kick and both men are down. Davari goes up top and hits a frog splash and then hits the hammerlock clothesline for the free count. The winner and new number one contender, Aria Davari. That was a bit of a surprise. I was expecting and hoping that Lorkin would get the victory, but, you know, something different, I suppose, from the 205 Live roster. And after the match, Nice offers his hands and congratulates Davari on his win. 
Davari tells Nice he wants the title, and Nice tells Davari to try and take it from him. Yeah, so we've got a new story. It's going to be Davari versus Nice. Very interesting times on 205 Live this month. We saw the end of Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander for the division. And we're looking towards the future now with Davari versus Nice. Like I said, surprising. Not a bad main event, but I think 205 Live going to be a few changes uh, as we're seeing it. And we'll see where they're going. But are they on the right path at the moment, Dan? Um, I don't know. I think they should kind of look more towards what NXT do and how they go about business and, you know, try and take some of their stuff into it as opposed to, uh, you know, having a couple of little teaser matches and then a half hour long main event. You know, it's it does get a bit long and, you know, not that I don't like seeing only Lorcan for two weeks. But there is a bit too much, you know. Well, that is 205 Live for this month. So we move on to news. News! And performance-related news. Unlike other sports or even in Hollywood, salary information for WWE's roster is not readily discussed. Well, in the FL or NBA, if you want to know the contract lengths and salary figures for your favourite players, it's an easy number to access. When it comes to your pro wrestling, WWE in particular, talks regarding money are much harder to come by. Was sprinkled into a fantastic story by the WWE Performance Center by Sports Business Journal is a brief peek into some salary numbers for wrestlers just starting out with the company. The report would briefly touch on how much new NXT wrestlers make on their first contract. Those signed to developmental contracts are paid on average $50,000 to $150,000 a year. The overall average for those in development is about 80000 If they reach the top of the WWE, salaries can climb into the seven figures. Senior Director of Talent Development, Canyon Seaman, reveals the idea number of rookies W shoots for in any given year. Each tryout has about 40 prospects, meaning 300 to 400 people get to try out each year. Of those, Seaman said, the WWE will hire 30 to 40. The next Performance Centre tryout is set for April 25th to the 27th. The next international tryout will be held in Shanghai, July 15th to the 18th. That is incredible when you think about the amount of talent that's coming through. Well, a hot button issue in the pro wrestling world over the past few years is W stacking their roster versus a company hoarding too much talent. With nothing really to compare it to, what aspiring pro wrestlers sign as their first contract may give supporters and critics a clue into what WWE is thinking in terms of building their roster. Oh, my God. So, very interesting news story there. But even more interesting, he's back. Yes, on Friday, April 20th at the MKE Wrestling Show in West Allis, Wisconsin, Knights of Columbus Hall. A masked wrestler ran in and hit the GTS on Derrick Street, Derrick St. Holmes, costing him his match with Ace Steel. Well, the crowd didn't seem to uniformly catch on. It might even be possible to have been punk under the mask. And probably part of why the next morning MKE founder Silas Young of Ring of Honor fame sent out these tweets designed to get the message across without explicitly confirming it was a straight-edge superstar. Well, he tweeted, Last real man Ring of Honor. Last night we held uh, MKE Wrestling at the Knights of Columbus building in West Alice. The place was packed with 350 people. This place has had 25 plus years of wrestling and is the plate a lot of guys, guys like Colt Cabana as well as Punk who showed up in a mask last night. Well, here's some Punk running in a match last night. You never know who's going to show up at our shows. Former world champions have been stopping in the last couple of shows. Don't miss our next ones. David Hero says, looks like former multi-WWE champion who did make Milwaukee MAW home or maybe not. 
but someone did go to sleep. Well done, last Roman Ring of Honor and MKE Wrestling. Well, there are a lot of reasons why, despite years of Salem returns to the business, which made him famous, doesn't interest him. It makes sense Punk would appear at this event. It was the final show at the Moroccan era COC after more than a quarter century of pro wrestling at the venue. The man himself and a lot of folks with Punk ties, like his trainer Steel, his manager for Ring of Honor Dave Prazak, and his former friend Colt Cabana came up at the hall. Well, Brooks still trains mixed martial arts at Rufus Sport in Milwaukee and was seen earlier in the day on Friday at high school wrestling tournament in West Alice wearing the same hooded sweatshirt as St. Holmes Master Salem. <laughs> <coughs> well, this also lines up extremely well with a quote Punk gave ESPN back in 2016 about how he'll someday return to wrestling. But you never know. But you never know. I could pop up here and there. Let me explain to you even better, it's not even going to be televised. It's going to be me in a ninja fucking outfit, buddies, and nobody's ever going to know. It's going to be very Monty Python, so to speak. Well, check and check. Multiple outlets have reported it was indeed the five-time WWE World Champion under the mask on Friday night, including Wrestling Observer and Fightful. The former reports Punk wanted to do something in the building where he used to perform often coming up, but Dave Meltzer said it should be taken as a sign he wants to get back into the business on a regular basis. The latter site says it's not the first time he's done an incognito running like this with a source telling Sean Ross Sapp. Punk did something similar, which would have been in Wrestling Road Diaries 3 had the Chris Amman lawsuit not ended his friendship with Cabana. So now you know. I certainly wouldn't recommend shouting CM Punk return imminent. Can I just say that you did actually text me saying CM Punk return (laughs) imminent and the picture of CM Punk doing the GTS or the video of it. Well, but the best of the world does seem to be treating his old job a little icily these days. You know, he's warming to him, unlike Colt Cabana. Well, Punk and Cabana's friendship, well established long before the best in the world appeared on the on Colt's The Art of Wrestling podcast in November of 2014 to tell the story of his exit from WWE and the business. Even before that interview, it was already part of wrestling history, thanks to Punk breaking the fourth wall to say hi to Cabana during his legendary 2011 Pipe Bomb promo on Raw. But it seems to be the tell podcast was the end of the line for their friendship. Both were sued by W. Dr. Chris Amman for statements made about Punk, medical care he received from Amman and his employer. They won that case, but apparently trust issues developed during the course of it and spilled over into a still ongoing suit filed by Cabana against Punk over legal fees. If the ongoing litigation wasn't an evidence that the two Chicagoans have inconsiderable differences, a Twitter convo between Punk and comedian and podcaster Ron Finches provides more. Well, last week when Punk shared a story about Eddie Guerrero on Rey Mysterio's Instagram, it generated a lot of interest in hearing more wrestling tales and takes from the straight-edge superstar. Punk shot those down, said he didn't want to be sued by lying snakes and unethical fugsies for telling the truth. That didn't deter former DDT Pro Ironman heavyweight champion Funches, who in Cincinnati's message asked Punk to come on his pod. Well, it's hard not to read, read Punk's shots from their subsequent exchange as being about Cabana. Punk said, promise not to sue me for being a good friend, then sign a legally binding agreement that you're not a greedy steaming pile of ungrateful snake shit, and I'll consider it. And that's why I don't think CM Punk and Colt Cabana are ever getting... <laughs> well, let's make sure we never turn into CM Punk and Colt Cabana. But we move on to the Superstar Shake-Up. Well, Charlotte Flair and Andrade are apparently engaged, which explains why Andrade enjoyed such a short-lived tenure on Raw. Pro Wrestling Sheets via Saturday reported Andrade and his manager Zelina Vega will be staying on SmackDown Live after initially moving to Raw as part of the Superstar Shake-Up. Well, Brad Shepard followed up to report Flair used her pool (laughs) pool, 
to request the change, and WWE requested because her and Andrade are engaged to be married. Well, the sources said they believe the engagement is supposed to be announced next month. I've told that Ric Flair, among others, are not convinced that this is a good idea because they believe she is moving too fast. Hasn't she already been divorced? She has been, yeah, and sued with the WWE. Uh, they sued her and the WWE. Anyway, I spoke to a source in WWE about Andrade being moved to SmackDown Live after originally being drafted to Raw. I'm told the reason is because shot used to request the change. Special consideration is usually given to married or engaged couples, and they're engaged. Yeah, she ever noted the company will give strong consideration to keep the couples together when they're either married or engaged. For example, Naomi and Jimmy Uso, who are married, both moved from SmackDown Live to Raw during a shake-up. Well, Flair and Andrade walked the red carpet together prior to WWE's Hall of Fame ceremony during WrestleMania weekend. Following WrestleMania 35, they vacationed together in the Dominican Republic. If WWE had any sense, it would uh, learn, lean hard into Andrade and Flair's real-life relationship. Well, separately, they're excellent heels and strong in-ring workers. Together, they could rule SmackDown Live with an iron fist as WWE's top power couple. So we'll see what happens on SmackDown. But cards subject to change in our next news story. Yes, the WWE Backlash pay-per-view will be happening in late June instead of being cancelled altogether. Yeah, there were reports of Backlash being cancelled after originally being scheduled for June 16th in San Diego due to the next Saudi Arabia event being scheduled for Friday, June 7th. Meltzer noted on Wrestling Observer Radio that Backlash is now scheduled for June 23rd for Tacoma, Washington. The date originally scheduled for Backlash June 16th in San Diego will now be a regular non-televised live event for the Raw brand and tickets go on sale April 26th. Yeah, uh, the next event for Saudi Arabia has not been confirmed from June 7th, but the company is moving forward with the idea that it happened on that date because they've started making moves towards producing the event. WWE still has domestic live events scheduled for that the Saudi show is to take place, Sunday 9th in Stockton and Sunday June the 9th in Fresno, California. The show planned for that weekend in Denver, Colorado was moved to Saturday, June the 15th and the show planned for Salt Lake City, was moved to Sunday, June 16th. Yeah, the change to the backlash was made because WWE didn't want to run pay-per-view events two weekends in a row, which makes sense, but I'm more excited for backlash than I am for Saudi Arabia's show. The money show. I mean, so close after Money in the Bank as well. And on to injuries. Daniel Bryan has not been seen on WWE programming since his loss to Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania 35. And that's apparently because he's dealing with an undisclosed injury. Yeah, it's been reported Brian was pulled from the weekend's live events in Madison, Wisconsin and Rochester, Minnesota. Brian is currently being advertised for SmackDown Live, but of course didn't appear either. His status is currently shrouded in mystery, which is chilling concern anyone who's followed Brian's recent career. Yes, Brian was forced to retire in 2016 due to concussions. Despite Brian getting clearance from several independent doctors, WWE refused to clear him until he made his in-ring return March 2018. Well, everyone, even with remote interest in WWE, waiting for the high hopes that Brian's injury is minor. But you never know, especially with Daniel Bryan. Let's hope they just give, we talked about earlier about giving people time off. Hopefully, maybe they're giving Brian a couple of, you know, maybe a month or so to recharge batteries and then come back. Yes, as, uh, yes, 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 Daniel Bryan. <laughs> team Extreme. Yeah, more injuries and SmackDown Tag Team Champion Jeff Hardy recently suffered an injury. It was reported that Hardy got injured while working Saturday night SmackDown live event in Madison, Wisconsin, with the Hardys teamed up to defeat the Usos. Well, Hardy appeared to have suffered some sort of leg injury. Jeff did work, didn't work Saturday's live event, but rather appeared in the corner of Matt, who beat Jimmy Uso. Fans in attendance note that Jeff was limping significantly. 
Yes, at Monday's show in Sioux City at the Tyson Event Centre, Matt teamed with R-Truth to defeat Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, and we hope to have a further update shortly. Don't call me shortly. Well, on to departures, and Dustin Rose announced his departure from WWE and said a goodbye to the Goldust character in a series of social media posts Sunday. That was an absolutely beautiful video. Did you see it? Yeah, I saw, I saw the poking, video. Posting it away, yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on... Well, actually, let's read this and then I'll get your thoughts on Goldust. Well, Dustin Rose, official statement, done on my own terms. Thank you to the WWE Universe and WWE the world of entertainment, hashtag wrestling, hashtag Dustin Rhodes. He posted a really long thing on on, uh, on Twitter as well. It was red, which was really, really nice. And uh, you, you had a lot of respect for Goldust, haven't you? You know, I do, yes. He's, you know, he's been around in WWE for a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, he's he gets better and quicker as he gets older. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Rhodes 50 was announced as his brother's Cody's opponent at EW, a double or nothing event early in the day. The matchup had been teased in previous Road to All of Nothing episodes, but Dustin had issues strong denials about leaving WWE. The speculation turned out to be completely accurate as episode 13 featured Dustin talking at length about his relationship with Cody and why he wants to defeat his brother at the pay-per-view May 25th. I know everything there is to know about my little brother Cody, Dustin said, and he's one egotistical son of a bitch. So many times I've told him how proud I am of him, how much I love him, and how dad would be proud of him, and everything that he's accomplished. Never, not one time, as he said, thanks man, I really do value your opinion. You're wonderful, I love you to death. Well, Dustin and Cody Rhodes were tag team champions twice in WWE, most recently when Cody was using the much-bemoaned Stardust gimmick. They later feuded, but never got a chance to have a proper blow-off match with the dream of Rhodes Brothers WrestleMania spotlight coming and going. Well, it appears AEW would give the pair a proper spotlight, juxtaposition in the upbringing of the two brothers. Cody, 16 years younger than Dustin. He also grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, with their childhoods being diametrically opposed, according to Dustin's side of things. Well, Goldust was one of the most boundary-pushing characters in WWE history, particularly in terms of sexuality especially during the Attitude Era, including an infamous moment where he was led to the ring with a ball gag in his mouth. Well, despite the controversial nature of the character, Rose consistently brought brilliant in-ring chops and an all-in devotion to the character that allowed it to get over the audiences. He's a nine-time W Hardcore champion and a three-time Intercontinental champion. So, good luck to Goldust. He left the right way, didn't he? We talked about departures yeah. with Luke Harper asking for his release and being told, no, your contract is getting triggered. Dustin Reynolds denied all these rumours and now is gone and he gets his chance to wrestle as well, you know. So, uh, AEW kind of taking a storyline from WWE? Well, it's a story we haven't seen, isn't it? So, I'll I'll be interested to see the match because we're one-on-one match. If it's that big, I don't know, but at least it's, like you said, they're using the story that's already there and then building on it themselves, which kind of makes a little bit more sense rather than starting from scratch. But anyway, move on, and it is NXT UK, and it's episode 36, and it's March 27th. Yes, Jordan Devlin versus Dan Maloney is the first match of the night. Devlin works him over. Maloney, who fires back with knee strikes, clothesline and a backdrop. Devlin gets stuns. Devlin stuns him off the rope 
and a slingshot cutter gets two. Two. Then he hits a headbutt, Saito suplex for the win. This was a fine extended squash with Devlin continuing to impress. Well, Cassius Ono arrives and wants to explain himself. Management told him to apologise for his recent actions. He reads an apology off his phone, offering thoughts and prayers to Ashton Smith. This is Vince McMahon, damn it! Cassius Ono arrives and wants to explain himself. Management told him to apologise for his recent actions. He reads an apology off his phone, offering thoughts and prayers to Ashton Smith and his family. He gloriously intercere here and then gives it a great to KO him all over again. He made a statement and then Travis Banks pretend to be a UK wrestler. He didn't come in to face Banks. He's here for bigger things. He will bust up Banks to bits if he faces him. We get a Dave Mastiff video package. And Ginny challenges Tony Storm in two weeks. And then we get a vi- Ginny video package. We get a Ginny... Oh, fuck shit. Ray Ripley versus Zia Brookside. Rips with Brookside and tosses her aside. Ripley now works the arm. Ripley fires with grounded strikes, but Brookside then cradles her for two. Two. Ripley hits a drop kick and grounds things. Well, Brookside looking for a sunset flip gets cut off and Riptide finishes it. This is a good match with a strong underdog versus bully story being told. Ripley cuts the post-match promo, running down Zia and warns the rest of the division, noting that she's the dominant force. Well, I've been impressed with uh, Ripley, but... She's going around here proclaiming she's the most dominant force. The former women's champion. But wait a minute. We can hear some music. Piper Niven! Well, Ripley just said she was the most dominant woman. But Niven's just showed up. The elephant in the... Someone you'd give it to but not tell your mates. Oh my God. I tell you what. Piper Niven is here. No, come on. You have respect for huskier characters, James. No. I love Niven. Niven is... Oh, we do love Niven. I tell you something. If Ripley just says she's the most dominant force, the most dominant force in NXT UK has just walked in. My prediction is Niven will dominate the women's division and she will start off with Ripley if needs be. She's just cleared the ring there and part of the NXT UK roster. And what a huge signing that is. So I think Nia Jax should take... Um... Well, Niven's saying she's the most dominant force in NXT now. And I have got to completely agree with her. But it's brilliant seeing her, isn't it? Like I said, we absolutely love Piper Niven. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Isla Dawn is asked about Niven's arrival. And Kaylee Ray interrupts and says she's not here to make friends. We get a Walter video package. Yes, and Trent Seven is interviewed and sets up a match with Joe Quaffey. And Eichner, Barthel, cut promo, Jordan Williams setting up another match. Yes, and Noam Dar versus Mark Andrews is the next match. They lock up and work to the ropes. Dar looks to attack the arm, but they work to, a ro- to the ropes and break. They work into some counters and st- end in a stalemate. Andrews follows with a head scissors and arm drags grounding the action. So these two men, again, I'm a big fan of NXT UK in this division. And Noam Dar, Mark, and Andrews, I'm a huge fan of these two men. We saw Noam Dar saying he's part of the NXT UK roster a few weeks ago. And Andrews coming out, taking exception for a couple of words that Dar said. But it's been an interesting match so far. Andrews with 619 to a kick to the midsection of Dar. But Dar managing to block it just for a second. Oh, sweeps the legs of Andrews. Daleks set to go flying. Running drop kick knocks Mandrews off the apron. Is Dar going to go over the top? Well, he looks ex- extremely confident right now. 
If he's got control of Mandrews. Yeah, if he'd not then, I'd have been like, that's that's brilliant. What about now? Look. And Dahl's on the outside. has got Mandrews. Throws him back in. So now, um, Dahl, has he been on a bit of a resurgence since uh, coming to NXT UK? I think he has, you know. And, and I think, well, I'm going to say something now. And I think you might agree with me here. And these two guys could be on 205 Live quite easily. And I think it would be more enjoyable than some of the stuff we've been seeing recently. You know, you talk about the weight division. I know these two guys happen to be British, but it's still quite an interesting matchup. You know, like I said, Dar come back with that more cocky personality. We know my Andrews plays the underdog really well as well. I think these two guys... I think um, NXT UK is a better place for them because it's... I don't know. I think they're more talented guys here. You're going to get more of a chance, aren't yeah. they? You know? And this is what we've seen. We've seen a nice match between these two guys. Do we need a secondary title yet? Uh, I think we will need soon because I think the roster, once it gets strong enough, you need to build it out. The question is, can these two men be the heavyweight champion? Will they be able to challenge either Walter or Pete? Um, no. And if they're not, then a the secondary title makes sense. But then again, who can challenge for that uh, the UK title? But saying that, Tyler Bate has beaten Pete Dunne. So, you know... Bate knows what it takes to beat him. Well, I think everybody in NXT UK <laughs> at the moment, obviously on the male side, is looking to become NXT UK champion. And what it means, we've only had three NXT UK champions in the history. So it's not going to be an easy feat. Be Mandrews and Dar will get there one day. As both men just staying ever so close to each other, training blows. <clears throat> Another thing I like, the crowd's definitely into this accident, action as well. Yeah, most definitely. Trading house between these two guys... Chops from Andrews. That's what Dar has to offer. Hits a few more chops and forearms and elbows. Irish whip reversed by Dar. Andrews ducks underneath, skidding on his knees, and then hits a lovely Pele kick. This is a match. It's like you don't know which way it's going to go. No, exactly, and I think that's what's good about NXT UK at the moment as well. And if they keep adding roster to it, then it will become. My favourite programme to watch, especially with Piper Niven now. And of course, like we talked about the the NXT UK title scene. I think the women's division still needs a tiny little bit more work. And if Nikki Cross isn't doing anything on the main roster, bring her in. Well, that's a shadow of a doubt, you know. And I think that's what we've seen with these two guys. You know, even Dar with 205 Live come to NXT UK, be featured a lot more. Well, double foot stop by Mandrews. Dar goes to the outside. Andrews goes flying, takes him out, throws him back in the ring. Standing corkscrew moonsault. One, two. Oh, no. Die with a kick out. Uh, and the crowd <laughs> definitely into this one like we talked about. Mandrews comes running in. Dar very nicely manages to roll out the way. Knock him down. Schoolboy from Dar into the ankle lock. But Mandrews gets up, flings Noam Dar to the outside. Over the top rope. Moonsault. Oh, I think the top. I think the knee of Mandrews caught Dar right in the top of the head. Dar may be out here. Dar went for the kick. Mandrews managing to dodge it. Stunners him over the top rope. What's Mandrews going to do? Oh, looks to springboard his way in, but Dar with a kick takes out the legs. Andrews' jaw hits the edge of the ring apron. Oh, Dar goes to the outside to meet Mandrews. And this has been a good match so far. And Dar's got an idea for Mandrews. 
Throws Andrews into the steel steps upside down. Well, that's going to leave a huge mark on Andrews. And Andrews managing to get in. Kick away at Dar. Seven taking his time getting in. But Noam Dar's got a mischievous look on his face and he's stalking Mandrews. And I think he can smell blood with the injury. For Andrews, first a strike with a rocking blow. And a second. Dar goes down low, but Andrews rolls him up. Two. Oh, only a two count. Two. And then Mandrews rolls through, goes for the double footstop, but Dar blocks it. And he's got the ankle. Has he got a knee bar locked in or is it an ankle lock? I think he's got variation. It looks like a bit of both. Just twisting away at the leg of Andrews. He's in serious trouble right now. Well, he's so close but so far away. Screaming out in pain. But managing to get to that bottom rope. Noam Dar holding on to the leg as long as he can. Until <laughs> he's forced to break it. That's what I talk about when, you know, like Elias turned face and heel. Kind of moveset. You've got to kind of become a heel or a face with Dar. You know, he's got his heel work down to a T now, hasn't he? You know, like you said, with a submission. We saw him a little bit facey and he was a little bit different, more high-flying. And it's nice to have a little bit of variation. I think the crowd respects that as well. Andrew's definitely struggling on that left leg, though. Managed to deliver an insiguri to break Noam's hold on the leg, though. And a bad leg. It's all Andrew's nose, but he's going to try it again. With his springboard. Lands on Noam Dar. Oh, only a two. Two. Little pinky shoots up as well from Dar. Which means Dar's still in this match. Well, a crowd definitely, or definitely getting on Noam Dar, mocking him and his back. Fans are certainly behind Mark Andrews as he's clubbing away at Noam Dar, who delivers a swift kick to the left leg of Andrews, stops his momentum. Goes high, goes low, looking for a uppercut but Mark Andrews turns it into a backslide only gets a two count two Andrews manages slide. bad knee gets caught with a clothesline oh, oh Andrews turns it into a stunner as, as uh, Noam Dar was looking for a suplex goes for a cover but Dar managing to kick out uh, yeah. now Andrews looking for the reverse hurricane runner oh no Noam Dar crumples in a heap as he injured his leg well, it looks quite a bad injury. Referee's frying up the X. Both men are down injured. Well, Dar down and so is Mandrews, and it's a horrible thing to see. It looked quite innocuous, but Dar definitely felt it. And look at that, looking for the crowd. Getting on their feet and applauding. He lands on the leg and then lands on Andrews afterwards. Well, that's a horrible thing to see. My God. Well, I'll tell you what, this was a very good and fun match for a hot crowd until the unfortunate double injury. It's bad to see because Dahl's been out before with the knee, so let's hope it's not a long-term injury. I hope it's nothing major. Uh, up next, Dunn and Walter sign a takeover contract. Uh, we w- takeover that we've already sent. Yeah, we watched that on our live show, of course, for NXT TakeOver. And we all know what happened, don't we, after that, unfortunately. So we move on to episode 37th. April 3rd. Yes, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan defeated Marcel Barfell and Fabian Eichner. We're in NXT UK's opening match. Look, if Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan's recently good fortune might finally have been coming to an end when they locked horns with a dominant force of Marcel Barfell and Fabian Eichner. However, just when Eichner was executing another impressive hanging suplex, the lucky Yin suddenly broke loose with a counter, 
that allowed him to pick up the quick victory and the third and definitely the biggest win for his tandem in a row. Well, Eichner and Bartha were left in a state of complete disbelief. One has to wonder if their stunning triumph will put Williams and Jordan in line for an NXT UK title opportunity. Up next, Kaylee Ray defeated Isla Dawn. And not feeling the least bit allegiant towards her fellow Scotsman Isla Dawn, Kaylee Ray went to battle against the White Witch in a second matchup on NXT UK. In the final moments of the half-foot contest, Ray delivered a painful overhead chop into the superkick before getting her opponent up in a widow's peak and driving Dawn's face hard into the canvas in the centre of the ring for the impressive free count. Zach Gibson and James Drake vow to raise the prestige of the NXT UK Tag Team titles. Although their NXT UK Tag Team title match against Annie Lorcan and Danny Birch several weeks ago has left Zach Gibson currently not medically cleared to complete, the grizzled young vets emerged to address the NXT UK universe, belittling in would-be contenders like Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan and declaring themselves the new guard who will run the table in the locker room and within the NXT UK universe. Uh, up next was a matchup: Joe Coffey defeating Trent Seven. And after Joe Coffey referred to Trent Seven as dead weight in his quest to get Gallus back on top of any, the two competitors squared off in the show's final main event match before WrestleMania weekend. Well, in the height of the knockdown dragout brawl between inside and outside the ring, Coffey miraculously kicked out uh. of his opponent's seven-star lariat. This allowed the Iron King to take advantage of the injured back of his adversary. We had targeted throughout the contest and followed up by a powerbomb by making the artful Dodger tap out to the Boston Crab. So very interesting, <coughs> very interesting main event there and a very interesting episode of NXT UK. Next on episode 38 and it's the 10th of April. Skydome Arena in Coventry, England played host to a huge night for the women of NXT UK. Not only was Tony Storm defending her title but the debut of the game changer Piper Niven. Well, before all that, our first match of the night was Travis Banks versus Cassius Ono. Things started off very slow, but once they got going, this ended up being a pretty good match. Yeah, Banks landed a few big kicks, sending Ono to the floor. Banks then went for a dive, but Ono caught him and landed a big boot. Back in the ring, Ono went for a moonsault, but Banks moved. Banks went right back to the kicks, but Ono hit the knee to Banks' bad shoulder, which turned the match around completely. Ono went after the shoulder for the rest of the match and nearly got the victory, but Banks refused to quit. After pin and exchanges followed a Kiwi crush from Banks and Rubik's Cube driver from Ono, neither man could manage to score a pinfall. Banks eventually got the better of a pinning combination exchange, earning the win in the process. So Travis Banks gets a huge victory there over Cassie Sand to beat Ono at the moment in NXT UK is Walter, who is the NXT UK champion. But up next, we're going to see the debut of Piper Niven going against Killer Kelly. Piper Watch. Piper is just, it's going to change it. We were so impressed with her in the May Young Classic. What makes Piper Niven so different, you know? Um, you know, it's it's obviously, you can see she's uh, slightly larger than most of the other women, but she still can deliver in the ring. I mean, you know, she's uh, she's just a good technical worker, I think. I think she's a lot different than most people would think. Like I said, if you see Nia Jax... Piper Niven is nothing like that. She's completely different. She wrestles more like Tony Storm than anything else. And the wars she's had with Tony Storm makes me really excited for the future of the NXT UK division. Who's this with? Oh, this is my boyfriend, James. Oh, you're live on the network. Yeah, we do the double now podcast. <laughs> there you go, Dan. So Piper Niven is here and she's ready for action. And she's only 27 years old, Dan. I mean, there's futures right ahead of her. 
So here we go. Piper Niven's debut against Killer Kelly, who was herself in the Bay Young Classic in 2018. But we're seeing it. We saw a saw her arriving as telling Ray Ripley what it's all about. And we're going to see tonight. Colour and elbow type to start. Piper's definitely got a strength advantage over Kelly. Off of the hand, though. That's nice. Bit of respect. Another collar and elbow type. Niven's got the hand. They're just trying to work Niven, but Niven's not been knocked off her feet. But look at that. Swinging her down, trying to get out of it. Just a shoulder block takedown for Piper Niven. Now just picking her up. Slams her down. The massive slam. Running sent on. She's not finished yet, though. Oh, flying crossbody. One, two... No, Kelly managing to kick out. Ah. Well, fair play to Killer Kelly there. And Kelly might be going out here. Well, Niven has won women's titles in Japan, in America, in the UK, all across Europe. And she's coming out to NXT UK to send a message to the entire women's division. Irish Rip sending Kelly into the corner. Piper following it up. Kelly sidestepping. Now she's working away at her punches. Now it's Kelly's turn to come charging in with a big boot to the face. That's what she needs to do now. Go look to suplex Niven. Piper just picking her up, chucking over her shoulder. Kelly's got the backslide though and a sleeper locked in. And Niven might be going out here. Killer Kelly might pull off a huge upset. <laughs> she pretty fit bit. But her cock's still bigger than Mark Dardis. And now she's got hold of Kelly, just backs her up into the corner. Kelly down in the corner. Uh-oh. Here comes Niven. Oh, cannonball. And this might be the end now. Picks up Kelly. Mishinoku driver. One, two, three. Well, very impressive there by Piper Niven. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Piper Niven certainly going to be a game changer for the women's division in NXT UK. You can guarantee that. <laughs> So she came, she saw, she conquered, and she would have eyes on the NXT UK's NXT UK Women's Title, and of course that'll be on the line in our main event. But our next match is Joseph Connors versus Jack Stars. Yes, Connors and Stars went back and forth early on. Stars showed a good amount of fight and really hung in there, probably longer than he should have. Well, Connors, in fact, his cockiness almost cost him the match, but he ended up getting the W anyway. And of course, Joseph Connors wins, and we move on to our main event. Ginny versus Tony Storm. The NXT UK Women's title on the line. And Storm means business. And oh my word. This is a huge opportunity for... (laughs) (laughs) This is a huge opportunity for Ginny though. It is. And look how she's starting this. Both women running towards each other at the bell. And Ginny's got the advantage in the strike so far. But as we've said and as we've seen in every single Tony Storm match... She absorbs all the punishment early on and then gets the victory in the end. Yeah, I think Tony Storm's got to be one of my favourites now in the entire women's kind of division. I don't fucking know. No, I, I like Tony Storm. I like Piper Niven. I've supported Tony Storm from the fucking beginning. Yeah, I like Kaylee Ray. I like Io Shirai. I like Kari like Sane. I like Oscar. I, I love eating candy floss. Well, I know you like candy floss. I like... Tony Storm, Candy Floss, Liz Morgan, <laughs> Alexa, Alexa Bliss, Bliss, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose is all right. <laughs> Have you got a type? I don't know. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, well, Tony Storm there taking control of Ginny, putting in a half Boston Crab. 
transitions into a version of the STF. And Ginny's in sort of trouble. And I, I've had an issue with Ginny in the past with being a little bit too um, skinny Ginny, yeah. Oh, just because you like Piper Niven? I'm oh, cold. That would. Niven would destroy. <laughs> we would never see Ginny ever again. And Storm's got an almost confident nature about her, almost different to the other times we see her. Maybe she's growing as champion. Runs into a big boot from Ginny, though. Ginny looking for a clothesline, gets turned over by Storm. Double underhook looking for Storm Zero. No, Ginny escapes it and a leg whip. Oh, that was nice. And Ginny now, innovative herself, going for the submission and just riding Storm. Well, you've got to ride the Storm out, James. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, Jenny does look like she's spent a bit of time on the crack. Mm. Well, Jenny looking for the rocking horse here. And Storm's got one arm free. Let's go. Now grabs the leg, pulls Tony back in. The camel toe, sorry. And uh, she, camel clutch. She gets it in. And now wearing back on Tony Storm. But I don't know how much this will hurt. Look how there's nothing really to her. Maybe a leg submission, but Storm turns it through. She's got a rocking horse of her own him back on Jenny and Tony just wrenching back on Jenny and Jenny manages to escape but Tony just with kicks to the lower back now reaching that bottom rope Tony with a very clean break now Storm wondering what to do oh but Jenny lulling Storm in bouncing ahead first off the second turnbuckle Hurricane Rana down well, that was nice by Jenny credit to her and now looking to be on the offensive but Storm rolls out the way Jenny runs into the turnbuckles, but catches Storm, plants her head first into the second buckle. Drags her out, goes for a cover. Two. No, only a two count. Two. I don't think she's going to get the pin there, especially if she's not hooking her leg. Now, Jenny looking to control things. Irish ripped into the ropes, and then just a forearm to the lower back. Definitely got a target as Storm. Irish ripped again, third time. But Tony Storm hitting with a back elbow. But Ginny with a backbreaker goes for the cover. One, two, no. Storm managing to kick out. Ah. But like I said, this is the more Tony Storm we know. She's going to get stronger. The match goes on, but an axe kick to the back. One, two, no. Denied. Really don't think Ginny has it. You know, the it factor. She doesn't. I don't know. She's all right. But I can't see her going any further than losing to the, you know what I mean, the, the new woman coming in. But she just caught Tony Storm on that second turnbuckle. Goes for the cover, but no, Storm. Again, managing to kick out. Jenny's uh. still young, you know, let's not forget. NXT is still a development brand, isn't it? So, I mean, who would you rather have? Ginny? Numph. Well, I'd rather have Numph. That's an unfair thing. But yeah. Who would you rather have? Shayna Baszler. <laughs> uh, you're right, I'll have Jenny then. And Jenny might be putting Tony Storm to sleep here. At least if Jenny loses, she's losing on her own, not with two women next to her. Yeah, that's fair enough. There's a couple of women come down to help Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and Storm's slowly going to sleep here. Jenny trying to wrench the submission in, but Storm fighting it. And Jenny now just talking trash to Storm. And slapping her around the face. I think this is not a good idea. Going for it again, but Storm catches her. German suplex. She keeps hold of the hands. Jenny desperately trying to get the rope, but can't. 
Second submission, and now third time lucky. Second, Second German. You put me off. And now Storm going to go for it. No, but Ginny rolls through. Storm keeps a grip, though. Hits the third German and a release. Well, Storm now back to feet. Comes running in. Hip attack from... <laughs> now looking to finish Ginny off. Storm zero. Oh, Ginny managing to wiggle away free. Back Storm into the turnbuckle. Oh! Had a bit of shattered dreams. Two. Oh! Hit an X-Factor. But Tony managing to get a foot on the bottom rope. Well, I don't think there's any way she's going to kick out of that. Uh, no way. But now Ginny looking to end it. It's going to hit a Storm oh, Zero. No, she isn't. No, Storm gets out of it. Delivers a headbutt. Rolls up Ginny. One, two. Oh. Ginny no. managing to kick out. Uh. And now both women trading forearms in the centre of the ring. <laughs> Storm with a huge chop. Ducking what Ginny has to offer. Oh, very innovative from Ginny. Grabbing the leg of Storm. Whipping it underneath her. Had the knee out ready for Storm's head. She comes charging in towards Storm who jumps over the top of her. Catches her standing switch by Ginny though. Back elbow from Storm. Harakarana attempt by Ginny again. But caught by Storm. Plants her with a powerbomb. Rolls her through. Loading up. Storm zero. One, two, three. Well, Tony Storm retains the NXT UK Women's Championship. And we know we like it. But I say Ginny there showed a little bit towards the end in the middle of the match. We talk about not having it. But I was quite impressed with some of her offense. She has got a bit more of it than I anticipated from her. And yes, you know, I'll, I'll give her that. Well, Tony Storm, Tony Storm wins and retains. And she'll have a... I'd say bigger and better challenges coming down, but Ginny offered it all. But with Rhea Ripley and Kaylee Ray and Piper Niven looking around, the NXT UK Women's Division is really heating up at the moment. Certainly is, yeah. They've had two very good matches on the cards. Um, some challenges starting to come forth as well, which is good. And we was wondering if it was lapsing a bit, but no, it's certainly picking itself up. This is episode 39, April 17th. Well, WWE NXT UK out of Brooklyn, Pier 12 in Brooklyn, taped over Mania Weekend. James? Let's get it on. First match is the Coffee Brothers versus Humberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza. A missed moonsault hurt Humberto Carrillo early on, allowing Joe Coffey to keep the high flyer on the ground. Carrillo, along with Raul Mendoza, didn't stay down for long as they hit dual suicide dives to the floor to take out both Coffee brothers. Mendoza landed a beautiful 450 splash on Joe Coffey, but Mark broke up the pinfall attempt. It wasn't much longer until Joe landed a massive lariat to get the pinfall victory for his team. And your winners, the Coffee brothers. And then we had Bomber Dave Mastiff versus Connor Reeves. Well, this is a bit of a squash match. Dave Mastiff got the win over Connor Reeves via pinfall following the cannonball in the corner. That's a dual winner, Bomber Dave Mastiff. And Casey Cantazero versus Rare Ripley. Well, Casey Cantazero evaded Rare Ripley for the opening moments of the match, which was awesome, but once Ripley got hands on her, it was all over. Yeah, Rare hit the riptide and pinned Cantazero in quick fashion. After the match, Ripley locked Cantazero in the inverted clove leaf and even tormented her backstage, but Piper Niven showed up. Sent her off. So we are going to see Piper Niven, Ray Ripley down the line, which should be a great 
match. And our main event is the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. Now, we've heard a lot about Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. And they're finally going to get the chance at gold after three huge victories. So here we go. Zach Gibson in there with Amir Jordan. And he's got him down. And, of course, the man that won the NXT UK tournament and the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Champion. Grizzled Young Vets be going around their business looking for new challenges. Well, he's certainly teaching uh, young Jordan a thing or two about what it takes to be a grizzled young vet. <coughs> but Jordan and Amir... Fuck's sake, Williams and Jordan have been on a kind of dream run recently. Sinister. But at the moment, like you said, it's a different class. Jordan trying to roll through. Eventually does and just whips Gibson down. A dropkick evaded and now James Drake gets a tag in. And a huge forearm. He's definitely got the look about him as he sends Jordan to the ropes. Looking for a huge takedown over. Jordan ducks it. And that was a nice nip up by Amir. Dodging it with a leapfrog. Comes in, jumps over the top rope. Headbutt to the forearm. And a huge knife edge chopped to the chest. And there you go. Gibson making sure he saves his partner. Look like Williams had a little bit of fire coming in here, but the grizzled young vets, and especially Zach Gibson. Calm down, calm down. Hey, calm down, calm down. And Gibson's in there, but then he gets caught by Williams. He rolls him up, but he managed to kick out. Then uh-huh. a boot up by old Kenneth. Oh, a lovely bulldog sending Gibson headfirst into the top turnbuckle. Big boot from James Drake sending him off the apron. Jumps over Gibson back in the rings. Springboard back elbow. <coughs> Williams definitely got a bit of flair about him as he's saying Gibson back. Comes charging in. It's pushed off by Gibson. And now side headlock allows James Drake to tag in. Oh, Drake goes down low. Gibson with a kick to the head. Oh! Brilliant tandem between the two guys. Well, there's poetry in motion there, knocking Amir Jordan off the top rope. And now Drake, who looks annoyed, got hold of Kenny Williams, Irish whip. Williams gets <laughs> sent outside the ring, tumbles to the mats below. Well, you could say NXT UK, out of all of it, the tag team division isn't the strongest, but we have some great tag teams around. And there's a double team on the outside there. I mean, we've got Mustache Mountain, of course, and uh, I, I still think Lorcan and Birch, you know, one and two can still be a great tag <laughs> team. We've got great tag teams, but just not the depth. Mm. But maybe Williams and Jordan could put it. Williams desperately needs to get over to Amir Jordan, but Zach Gibson's standing in between him and his partner. We can hear just how brutal Gibson is. All the strikes you can hear. As Williams now trying to hold on with a submission, but Gibson just raking away. Again, getting the tag, but oh my God. Williams looked to get out of it, caught with a huge forearm, maybe out. And Drake bringing his aggressive nature. And Williams struggling at the moment. Drake now with a suplex. Oh, a lovely snap suplex there. Floats over if he gets a two count. Two. And now it's all about Drake wearing down Williams, stopping to get to his corner. Mia Jordan looking to come in fresh at the moment. Kenny Williams with a jawbreaker finally gets some separation. 
But he's in the wrong corner and Gibson pulls him back by his trunks. And now Williams just trying to fight out of all the strikes he can. Big boot to Gibson, but Drake catches him with a huge lariat. <laughs> that might have not knocked him down. It might have knocked him out. Huge backbreaker from Drake. Goes for the cover. But Williams managing to kick out. Uh, I mean, Gibson is struggling. His first back match back since injury with uh, Lorcan and Birch. And if you're going to face him, you are going to usually deal with an injury, aren't you? He seems to be struggling. It's like Drake's asking where he is in the corner. So this might turn into a handicap match. Williams gets a tag to Jordan. <clears throat> Working away with James Drake now. Did Gibson come back too soon from injury? I think he might have done. Oh, shit, reverse. Jordan jumps over Drake. Flying crossbody. You know, he's got the arm, but no, Drake blocks it. Gives him out. Well, Jordan lands on his feet, rolls in through the ring and hits a lovely neck breaker. Goes for a cover, but a kick out uh-huh. from James Drake. And Drake's fighting a handicap match and Jordan's trying to take advantage. Drake with a shot that looked for his corner, but Gibson's still not up. Can Williams and Jordan take advantage? We can see a double team now. Elbow to the back of the head gets him down, but Gibson comes in and stops it. Maybe he was playing a bit of possum. Hello, possum. But he gets sent out of the ring just as quick as he come back. Jordan gets shoved out through the ropes as well. Just Williams and Drake left in the ring. Standing Drake, two. Oh. No. Williams managed to get shot up at two. Two. And now Drake's going to try offensive. No, caught with an uppercut. Upper what? Williams rolling through. Tilt a well. Blind tag was made. Williams rolls him through. And now it's Jordan on top. Sent on bomb. One. Two. No. Gibson pulls Drake out. Well, after the Swanson Bombay, I thought that was over and done with. And I tell you what, the Grizzled Young Vets in serious trouble. And Drake was going, but Gibson walking away. And a count out win for Jordan and Williams. But they don't get the titles though. But Unfortunate. They, but they've beaten the Grizzled Young Vets, and not many teams can say that. So hopefully down the road we're gonna see another opportunity. What are your thoughts on that match? What are your thoughts more specifically on uh, Jordan and Williams? Um, I think they're quite a highly They've they've got a lot of talent between them. Um, I, I don't think they've got the upper level factor just yet, but they're very close to it. Without a doubt, you know this is the thing, and it may not they're, they're kind of oddball tag team, but I think that goes to the advantage of those two and where they are, you know, in a weird way. But anyway, up next, Pete Dunn. I mean, is there a is there a better thing ever than what we just saw just then with Pete Dunne? <laughs> Not at all, no. You know, he's uh, he, what is he? Is he a face? He's neither. He's just a Pete Dunne. <laughs> but you know, he's uh, explaining on how he's built up NXT UK, and he has yeah. literally single handedly built up NXT UK. Um, you know, he just said that Walter was in the right place at the right time. And how about he extend him some courtesy that he that Pete Dunne showed Walter by giving him his rematch? Yeah, I mean, it's what we want to see. You know, like you said, 685 days. You think he's just going to walk away. 
he knows what Walt is bringing now. So in the rematch, he knows how to beat him. It's just set up beautifully again. And I can't wait. And Pete Dunne wants the NXT UK, UK title back. Well, our last episode of NXT UK is episode 40. And it's the 24th of April. Nigel and Vic talked about tonight's main event before we went straight to our first match. And Cassius Ono pinned Liguero in 10 minutes after rolling elbow in the back of the head. The story here was that Ono was the bigger and stronger guy and decided the action in the ring and this yeah and decided the action in the ring for a long time. As Liguero was looking to finally gain the advantage, Ono resorted to unfair tactics to take the victory. The crowd hated Ono and were into Liger, but not as much as back in the UK. Ono told Liguero to show him what he what he got and slapped him a few times. Liguero tried a few spots, but Ono countered, avoiding the overpowered Liguero. The Leeds Luchador finally got the advantage of a headset that sent Ono to the outside and followed with someone salt sent on off the apron. He miscalculated on a follow-up though and Ono took over once more. Finally, Liguero, who was almost out on his feet, managed to catch a kick by Ono and came back with leg kicks on a running knee to the face and hit a splash from the middle of the top rope for a near fall. Liguero went for sliced bread off the top but Ono turned it to a tombstone attempt. Liguero rolled through for another near fall as Ono fled to the outside. Liguero hit a somersault over the top rope, then sliced bread off the ring steps. Both Lavalin made it back in the ring, but as Liguero went for a... Ono caught him, started to tear his mask off as Liguero was looking to put it back on. Ono hit the rolling elbow to the back of the head for the victory. And we see Jordan Devlin pissed off that his match with Volta next week was a non-title match because Johnny Saint wanted to protect Volta for the rematch of the century against Pete Dunne. A highlight video for The Hunt, Ed. They'll be in action next week. The what? The Hunt. Oh, I thought you said something else then. Barcel and Eichner walked through WrestleMania access and complained about the fucking they could be champions and how back in the day you had to work for the privilege of winning the title. They repeated once more the mantra of the mat is sacred, identical to Ring Camp's motto of Diamat. Diamat here, Is Hellig. <laughs> it's Hellig! Diamat in the Hestelig! Tony Storm come out to cut a promo in the ring. She said it was awesome to represent the NXT UK brand on the most important weekend of the year. She talked about all the great women on the brand and said she would be champion for a very long time. As she was ready to walk backstage, Katie Ray music hit and she stared Tony down and made her way to the ring. Well, Kaylee Ray pinned Zia Lee in 5 minutes 25 after the Widow's Peak. And Zia Lee showed off some good offence, but this was pretty much was the Kaylee Ray showcase as she clears being groomed for a title match against Tony Storm. Lee made her NXT UK debut here and Nigel talked about how her background as a practitioner of Kung Fu and how she defended her family back in China after her father's death when she was in her teens. Yeah, both women traded offence right away, but Kaylee Ray got the better of it quickly. She got the upper hand off some mind games backfired, but Lee got to show off her kicks Ray hit a crescent kick and drove Lee into the post, then followed up with kicks and strikes in the corner. Lee eventually got to show some offence, hitting a snapmare of an atomic drop attempt, a kick to the back and a hard kick to the chest. She missed a double foot stomp though, and Kaylee Ray picked up the win with the Widow's Peak. Piper Niven was signing autographs and she was ugly. She said that while Ray, Ray, Raya was a great athlete, she was looking forward to how she would react to someone a little too big to push around. The Grizzled Young veterans were upset backstage, throwing Amir Jordan and Kelly Williams gear out into the hallway, raging on about how they were locker room leaders and Jordan and Williams could get dressed in the hallway. And our main event, Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven beat Morgan Flash Webster and Mark Andrews in 12 minutes when Seven pin Webster after a combined burning hammer flying knee drop. 
Well, these two teams had a tremendous fast-paced match and had a great aerial offence, mat wrestling and a good amount of drama. The crowd was into both teams and it was a great showcase for all four men. Both teams shook hands after this great match as well. And we found out next week, Walter faces Jordan Devlin in a non-title match. And like I said, the hunt will be in action. Sorry, the what? The hunt. I have to oh. keep telling you. So what have you thought of NXT UK this month then? Um, it's certainly been interesting. You know, the women's division is definitely heating up. I look forward to seeing the rematch of the century between Volta and Pete Dunne. Uh, the tag team division, I think that needs a little bit more work. Are they trying to push Mustache Mountain back up? Back up like the uh, the pecking order? Or, you know, what are they doing? What will the hunt bring to things? Yeah, so it's interesting times. Like we said, we kind of know two matches. Kayleigh Ray, Tony Storm and uh, Piper Ripley, which should be great. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what NXT UK has to offer. And plus, like I said, the rematch between Walter and Pete Dunne. So we move on, and now it's time for NXT Update. And Dan, when does NXT Update start? Now! So here we go, it's episode 502, and we've got two huge, and it's the 17th of April. Yes, Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to the Johnny Champion era. The North American champ makes his entrance for our opener. And it's Velveteen Dream versus Buddy Murphy, and this all came about on Twitter after Dream had mocked Murphy for losing the Cruiserweight title. We saw him come up, uh, come up short again at 205 Live. We asked, what's the future? He's been drafted to SmackDown, but at the moment he can walk out of it. And I'm guaranteeing he walks out new NXT North American champion, Dan. Well, James, even Buddy Murphy can't win three <laughs> championship match, can't lose three championship <laughs> matches in a row. I mean, that would just be terrible. Look, and he would look, have to the hang future, his head The future is shame. bright for Murphy, all right, no matter what happens here. Well, he gets to go home with Alexa Bliss. Yes, James, yeah. I know. Well, Kyler Braxton handed the big fight introductions and the Dream of course beat Matt Riddle at NXT TakeOver to retain the North American title. So it's a title that's had some great champions in the past. And now we're looking for another great title match here. And I think it's good Murphy can go to NXT and be treated as a legitimate challenger to this title. Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> what, you don't think he is? <clears throat> well, he can't even win a Cruiserweight title, it's let alone Buddy someone. Murphy. It's Buddy Murphy on NXT. But he's it's going brilliant. against the Velveteen Dream, James. I love the Dream as well. I'm a huge fan of Dream. And I think my, Murphy respects that as well. But he isn't outsized by him. No. He's got a fucking... He's bigger built, but he's slightly shorter. <clears throat> and Murphy looking to send a huge message to the WWE Universe tonight. I wonder if he bumped into his old forgotten son's pal. I've already forgotten him. They should have done that backstage. Murphy walking by him and the forgotten son's just looking around and going, he forgot me. You forgot me, son. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot me, son. Going to try and play my games with Murphy. I don't think you can with Buddy Murphy. We've seen him. And to be fair, he hasn't really got a mind. No, and that's, that's unfair to be fair. <laughs> unfair I, to be fair. Yeah, I don't think that you can play... Uh, Games with Murphy, such a physical specimen. And now Dream with a backdrop, but Murphy lands on his feet, right back into the side headlock. Boring. Oh, shut up. It's lovely to see Murphy twice. You're just lucky we didn't watch the uh, WrestleMania match in its entirety. Well, no, you, you know that Buddy Murphy's not going to lose three on the bounce. I mean, he's been such a dominant champion. He's been, ah. Oh, 205 Live champion for a long time. Is he going to be our North American champion? Well, the possibilities are endless. He can go to NXT and fight for championships. He can stay at 205 Live, fight championships. He moves to the main roster and fight for championships. I guarantee Murphy will hold gold again by the end of 2019. That's how much of a huge fan I'm of Buddy Murphy. 
and the dream realizes in there a difficult competitor we haven't seen the pomp and circumstance normally dream is laser focused to try and put one over on murphy well buddy murphy certainly is no stranger to nxt gold and this is the thing, he's had experience there for anybody that doesn't know, you know, former NXT Tag Team Champion, spent a few years. Well, in our very early episodes of the of the uh, WNR podcast, when Jared was around and Dwayne was around. Yeah, exactly, that's how long ago. But a <laughs> nice double nip-up by both men there. And Murphy's definitely got his fans to say, look, you hear them, they're meant to be yours. And they're cheering for me. But do you reckon Buddy Murphy has to be in Australia if he wants to win a championship? <laughs> Well, let's just hope they have another event in Australia this year. And now both men just missing huge shots. Nice leapfrog by Murphy. Oh, Hezzes is a takedown, though, by Buddy. And Dream to the outside, and Murphy might fly. He's not in a safe zone yet. Oh, but Dream <laughs> playing more mind games, sliding in, saying, uh-uh. He's the Dream. And Murphy grabs the arms and says, there you go, I'm Buddy Murphy. Well... Dream is on Dream Street now <laughs> as he gets pinned with his knees with his legs tucked behind him. <laughs> Very uncomfortable position there. Oh, he got his shoulder up at two. Two. <laughs> I love the Dream. And the Dream going to hold the referee. Come on, and Murphy now just sends him into the turnbuckle. And a 50-50 chant, Buddy Murphy and Velveteen. And now Dream running into the corner but Murphy sends him on the apron. Face first into the ring post and all the way down. And Murphy's going to look to take advantage. Oh. Flies over the top rope, takes out Velveteen Dream and lands pretty much halfway up the ramp. <clears throat> and Murphy means business right now, throws Dream back in. He's going to look to put him away now, goes off top. Double knees. Oh, takes out Velveteen, goes for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. oh. Well, Dream just somehow managed to kick out. Oh. Well, I want to reiterate here. Buddy Murphy can't lose three title matches on the bounce. Well, you were a huge fan of Murphy in the last match, and you can see, you know, why with this display as well, what Murphy is all about. Well, if he doesn't win this one, I'm giving up on him. <laughs> you can't. You've got to have faith in Murphy. <clears throat> what did you just call me? Snap. I said you can't. May I take down the kick to the back of the dream by the Murphy. Well, this is Buddy Murphy's match to lose now. I mean, what he's in full control <laughs> over Velveteen Dream. And Velveteen some people, Dream is on Dream Street here. Some people might be surprised that Murphy took the step up. But let's not forget, you know, 205 Live and the champions in the past. Murphy could become the most successful of them all as he looks to kick again the Dream. But the Velveteen will manage to roll out the <coughs> boot up in the corner. Well, no wrestler has actually gone from 205 Live to another brand and won a title. And now, and now Murphy with a sleeper to dream. Well, can he be the first one then? Can he, Murphy, break that 205 Live curse? Well, the curse has hit a few other people a lot harder than it has Buddy Murphy. I mean, ask Rich Swan and Enzo Amore and Neville. That's true. It's not been great for the champions. So at least Murphy get treated a little bit differently as he's trying to slow things down now. Well, he's running a parallel course with uh, Cedric Alexander, who's on Raw now. It'd be interesting to see exactly with those two in a year's time where each of them are. Well, we can, we can keep a little, All right. little watch. We shall. 
shelf, shall not we? You know I keep Murphy watch. Anyway, I tell you, it's going to be a damn shame we can't see him month in, month out now on the W for the, for the, for the, for the month with 205 Live. And, of course, NXT is the last chance we're going to have to get until he's back on pay-per-views. He'll be on main event. And Dream, trying to get out of submission, does so, but Murphy's still got the advantage. We probably have a good match against Ricochet, to be fair. On the losing end of it, but a good match. <laughs> and now Dream with the back elbows, and now the kick. Looking to jump up, but Murphy just takes him all the way down. But run, go on. Murphy runs into a super kick from the Dream. And Murphy... <laughs> Both men are down. Murphy's got those little cartoon fucking birds spinning around his head at the moment. And now the Dream with a slaps, but every shot by Murphy seems to have a bit more... Uh, Pack a punch, but as I say that, Dream's now getting to his feet. Nice combinations. Oh, and clothesline eliminates Buddy Murphy from the Royal Rumble. Dream springs up and double axe handle smashed to the back of the head, knocks Murphy down. Dream coming off top again with another double axe handle. And Velveteen Dream's on fire, baby. The crowd definitely get behind him, but Murphy is a dangerous opponent, but Dream's looking to go up and finish it. We're going to see the Purple Rainmaker. No, Murphy up to his feet. Dream rolls over him. Codebreaker. One, two. No, only a two count. Two. Rolls through looking for the Dream Valley driver. It's in by the Dream, but Murphy's fighting it. Manages to get off his back. Boot to the face. And now he's got hold of the Dream. He cuts him on that top rope. And now Murphy going up. But the Dream's stopping him with a right hand. And what is Dream trying to do? Well, he's looking to end Murphy's career before <laughs> it's even started. Oh, my God. And both men tumble off full to the mats below. I mean, they've 12 feet. At least 16 to 18 foot. Onto those mats. And how thin are those mats, Dan? Those mats are mere millimetres thick over pure concrete. Literally offer no protection whatsoever. And then Fisher up to seven, now eight, nine. Looks like they're going to be both counted out. Oh, no. Both make it in the ring before the referee's count of ten. Dream could have stayed on the outside and kept his title, but he don't play like that, fool. And now Murphy with the shots, but Dream just trying to fight back. Huge right hands, but Murphy cuts him off. Plants him with a snap DDT for the cover to... Oh... No, Velveteen with a kick out. Oh. Well, Murphy can't believe it, but we haven't seen his best shot yet. If he goes for Murphy's law, it might be job done, but he's looking to take the Dream out now. Murphy going up, and Dream catches him. Looking for a suplex, but Murphy blocks it. But Dream again, quick as a hiccup up there. Oh, what a front face buster. Sends Dream to the canvas. Sunset flip. Rolls through. Dream Valley driver. How did Dream manage to reverse One, that? Two. Oh. oh, no. Murphy with the kick out. Uh. Mamma mia. <laughs> well, somehow Murphy is still in this match. And the Dream can't believe it. I don't bloody believe and a fight forever chant. It just shows you the talent on show here. Yes, the Dream is very talented at making even a terrible opponent look good. Oh, come off it. You won't be seeing Buddy Murphy. You know now. I'm not going to hear it. Is Dream going up? Murphy stopping him. Pushing him off. Oh, Murphy setting his head up against the turnbuckle. Super kick 
straight into a set out powerbomb for the cover. One, two, oh! And Dreams brings out again. Only a two. Two. And now Murphy with a kick to the Dream on the apron. And this is a very dangerous position for both men. Murphy now going to look for the knee. Oh, my God. We see him hit that against Tony Nice the other day, uh, earlier on in the show. <laughs> That's how long ago it seemed. <laughs> and a huge shot there taking Dream out. Referee counting and Murphy struggling to get Dream in. Seven. Nine. You've got to break the count quickly, Murphy. There you go. Murphy breaks the count. And now he can... Throws Velveteen back in the ring. And now Murphy, um, North American <laughs> champion. If he just... No! Oh, the famous sir, as Murphy was getting into the ring. On the shoulder, Dream Valley driver. Oh, no. Murphy was so close. Is he going to make it rain? No, don't make it rain. It rains. Purple Rainmaker. One, two, three-time <laughs> loser, Buddy Murphy. Velveteen is the North America champion. James, three matches I've supported Buddy Murphy and he's lost. So I'm going to support him in every match he has because he's just going to keep on losing. What a performance from Buddy Murphy there. Showing how good he is. He's shown tonight against Tony Nese. He's shown against Velveteen Dream and NXT. He can go with the best of them. And to SmackDown he goes. A fair play to Murphy. As for Dream, fantastic performance. You've got to admit that was a good match. I look forward to seeing Buddy Murphy on main event. <laughs> But it was against Mojo Raw. But it was a good match. In a best out of ten full I mean, match. It's a good match though, wasn't it? It wasn't bad. It was a good match. I've seen worse. Yeah, exactly. I've seen better. Oh, well, this was a great match for Murphy and Dream as we move on. Yes, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins bring us a special edition of Street Talk. They're going to make an opportunity since that's what we do around here. The Prophets head to General Manager William Regal's office, but War Raiders slash the Viking Experience slash the Viking Raiders come out wearing their old gimmick shirts and carrying their NXT tag titles. Hanson and Rowe, or Eric and Ivor, say they've heard what Tez and Angelo were talking about, and they've already talked to Mr. Regal. They've got a match next week. Well, Rebel Heart hits the speakers, and the jeans-wearing Johnny Gagano returns to the full sale for the first time as NXT champion. He begins to discuss his long run to the title and starts to put over his match to take over New York as the toughest of his career. And here comes the Undisputed Era. Well, Adam Cole isn't going to listen to another love fest between Johnny and the NXT Universe. He beat him in Barclays, and if that was any other match, he'd be champ. Adam Cole is the uncrowned champion, and Johnny is nothing but a CM Punk. Well, Gagano says Cole is very emotional. It might be because that his trouble is a little boy band. Ali Era not in sync. Jokes aside, the champ says Cole did pin him in the first fall, but he won the next two, tapping him to make the scoreboard read 2-1. And that is undisputed. If Johnny lost, he wouldn't be out here winning like a baby. Whining. Oh, sure. He wouldn't be out here whining like a baby. But if Adam wants to grab a pair and step in the ring, Gagano will put more points on the scoreboard. Cole says, be careful what you wish for. And as Johnny gets ready to deal with Cole, O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong jumps the champ from behind. Beat him down and the group holds Gagano up for a superkick from Cole. The era pose as refs run in to check on Johnny. Well, Nigel talks up Kashida and says he'll make his NXT in-ring debut in two weeks. He then lists the NXT talent that was placed on Raw Smackdown during this week's Superstar Shake-Up, including the Viking Experience, Viking Raiders, War Raiders and Kari Sane. Well, Dominic Djakovic fe- defeated Aaron Fry via pinfall 
following a big boat. After his one-move knockout win, the Croatian Colossus grabs a mic. He says he's an ex because his family gave him that opportunity by coming to the US. Their spirit courses through his veins, and he's coming for Velveteen Dreams' North American title. Well, Kathy Kelly catches up to the undeserving. The tension we saw within the group was resolved. Cole says, we saw the difference between them and Johnny Gagano. Mr. Regal walks up to say that he's just got done talking to Johnny and the champ wants to face the era. Cole asks when he'll get his rematch and the GM says Gagano asked to face Roderick Strong. Roddy seems excited, but the Panama City playboy doesn't look pleased. Oh, well, we get a quick video package airing on the history of the same Basler rivalry, and then Alaya or Numph and Vanessa Ball get a handicam promo. They weren't ready last week to face Candice Ray because they were too busy enjoying NYC shopping. But next week, they want Candice to find a partner and meet them in the ring. And up next is Shayna Baszler versus Kari Sane for the NXT Women's Title. And if Sane and Sane can never challenge for the belt again. If she loses. Oh, my God. That would be the end of saying in NXT. Can she get the job done here tonight? Of course, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir accompany the champ to the ring while the pirate princess is out. Yes, Kayla and the Spotlight are back for our introductions. Now, this is Sane's chance to finally right a wrong and put Basil away. She has been there before for the NXT Women's title. Oh, Kari Sane may be the pirate princess, but Shane Basler is the pilot ship. Why is she a pirate ship? Pilot ship. Oh, pirate ship. <laughs> well, Basler. Langaruma. He's ready for action and say he needs to get the job done. So likeable. Can I get a bonus point if Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir get involved in the match? No, of course they will. Basler can't beat Sane one-on-one. She can't beat anybody one-on-one. Used to be a huge fan of Shayna Baszler. And now look at her. Cheating away. Cheating Kari Sane, Yoshii, <laughs> at the women's title. Even Bianca Belair, for fuck's sake. So our fifth championship match of the night, or of the podcast. Can <laughs> Kari Sane walk away with a gold? How many has Buddy Murphy lost? He lost two of them. <laughs> we saw the tag team titles in the women's title in NXT UK. So he's lost 40% of the tag <laughs> team title matches we've seen tonight. <laughs> Good! So, well, he's had a great record, has he, Murphy? But we'll see what happens. We're talking about Sane and Baszler now. All the champions have retained. And now both women, oh, exchanging blows and a back fist elbow. Rocks Baszler. Insane elbow. And Sane's going to look to finish it off. No. Oh, Baszler scurries to the outside. Flying cross body takes out Baszler. And Sane means business. And she can look to end things now, maybe going up for the insane elbow. Pow, huge forearm, takes down Basler, one, two, but the shoulder was up. Shayna can't even kick out properly. Uh-huh. Well, it seems to be a problem with the MMA for horsewomen who can't get pinned. And now Baze is just pushing away. And the forearm shot. Oh, but Kari Sane returns the favour. Basler looking for it again, Sane ducks it. Basler ducks one under Sane as well. Now Shane with a strikes. Knee to the jaw. Rolls up Sane. One, two. No. no. Well, Sane gets the shoulder up at two. Two. But you can see where the protection are on the elbow already for Sane. She won't be 100% going into this match as Basler now is going to look to try and control. Well, with the current state of things, especially with... Um, 
Ronda Rousey now. I don't think we'll be seeing uh, four horsewomen face off anytime soon. No, well, exactly, you know, it's maybe the Banks thing, but maybe better, maybe Baszler will move on to, uh, I was going to say, bigger or better things for her, but NXT Women's Division for that much longer, surely. Don't call me Shirley. But then it'll probably be Jasmine Dukes and Marina Shafir's brand to fuck up. Oh, God, don't say that. Just go out of her, for God's sake. We can't can't have this. And Sane's in trouble now. Would you say Basler deserves to go up, though? Uh, just to get rid of her. I, I don't think she's championship material on the main roster, but just to have her do something else rather than NXT. NXT Women's Division needs to evolve now, and someone like Sane could have carried it. Instead, she's been moved up to SmackDown. She just hit a spear, though. So we're left with Io Shirai and Bianca Belair. Yeah. Aaliyah. Yeah, or Numph. Uh, Candice LeRae, if they get behind her. Yeah, I suppose there's that that side of things. So we shall see. But hopefully Io Shirai is going to be the next star of the women's division. If Sane can't get the job done with a huge strike now again. Just rocking Baszler. A lovely leg whip there. Dragon leg screw from Kari Sane. Ooh. Nice blockbuster as well. Screaming in the face of Basler. There's one thing Sane means, and that's business here tonight. She knows this opportunity. <clears throat> It'd be her last one as Irish whip to Basler. Sane rolls through, taking the legs. Submission hold lock. And that's brilliant by Sane. Basler doing all she can to crawl to the bottom rope. And she struggles, but... Yeah, so that's what I say. She struggles but managed to get to that bottom rope. And now Sane might be signalling for the end. Off the second rope now. Insane elbow to the middle of the back. Now she looks set to go up top. Finish it, Sane. And here she comes, but oh no, Baszler up. And Baszler perched on the second rope looking for a gut wrench. Oh, but Sane blocking with everything she's got. Basler's back might have given out on her. And now Sane with a headbutt knocking Basler down. She's in the tree away but holding on. Now here comes Sane. Double foot stomp. Basler's in a lot of trouble but rolls to the outside. And Sane just bringing so much energy, so much intensity. Oh, but Basler with a simple sidestep. And Kari Sane... Completely misses. Well, referee telling Basler to back up, but she won't. And now she's going to look for the arm. Oh, look, standing on the other one as well, twisting it round. You can see the injury already. And now she's going to look to try and seriously injure Sane. Wrenching her shoulder back. You can see Sane's right shoulder's heavily taped. And Basler might be looking just... End saying once and for all. Got with a gut wrench. Plants saying down face first into the mat. Let's recover. Well, same managed to get the shoulder up, but straight into the submission. Got her arm wrenched round. And Sane's got to fight everything. I got the arm, the hand getting twisted. Wrenching her arm backwards. Finally gets her foot to the bottom rope. Insane to the outside, but she might be injured. She says she still fight. Shayna Basler looking like she's smirking. No, she's not smirking. She's just happy on the assault of the arm and the trainers. Referees, EMTs, EMTs down. down. 
And Sane's saying she can still fight, but she's one-armed woman in a asking contest. And Io Shirai's out here to offer some moral support. Why are Jasmine, Jake and Marina Shafir telling Io Shirai <laughs> to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she hasn't got her manager's license, but Baszler's goal is Sane. And look at this, one-armed woman, she's going to look to put her away. Dragging her in, looking for the Kirifuga clutch. And look to seriously break the arm. And Shirai weren't allowing that. And it gave her the win. Baszler wins. It's Sane's last opportunity, but did Shirai save her career there? Or did she kick her out of uh, the NXT women's title picture for good? Oh, Shirai arguing with Baszler. And now Duke and Shafir getting involved. And of course they would. Why not double team of Shirai? And Baze is going to look to put Sane away for good. And they're making Eo Shirai watch. Oh, my God. This, this is sick. This attack. This is sick. And basically breaks the arm. And Shirai goes check on her friend. And her best friend's got a horrible thing there by Baze. But Sane didn't lose. Sane didn't lose. Dan, what are your thoughts on all that? Um... <laughs> It's a different side that we've seen to Basler. I think she, you know, she kind of won this match without the outside assistance from her, uh, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir, which is, I suppose it's a good thing if you want to take positives away from this match. It certainly sets up an angle between Io Shirai and Shayna Basler going on. Into, and it's a sorry way to say goodbye to Kari Sane from the NXT division as yeah. well. I mean, that is a shame, but like you said, hopefully they're building up as uh, EO Shire's next challenge, and hopefully Sane moves to the roster. Like she said, she'll be teamed with Oscar, so let's hope she can do well there. All right, move on. we only got two episodes for NXT this month, so we move on to our last one, episode 503, April 24th. Well, after a quick reminder that Johnny Gagano is our champ, beat Adam Cole of the Undeserving Era at TakeOver New York for the belt. It's time for the Open Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to full sail as the Forgotten Sons are entering for our first belt. And the first match is Humberto Carrillo versus Jackson Riker. Yes, Riker uses size and power advantage at the bell, slamming Carrillo to the mat and forcing him into the corner. The Mexican cruiserweight lands on his feet when Jackson tries to feed advantage, allows to execute a sequence, ending with a standing moonsault. Well, that only pisses the former TNA star off, though, as he powers back into it. The throw leaves Carrillo hanging upside down in the corner, clubbing blows, then the Widowmaker, but Umberto rolls out. Riker follows, dropping him on the barricade, and kneeling his head until the referee calls for the bell. The former Marine doesn't stop, though, and only Lorcan and Danny Birch come to the rescue. That brings Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake into the fray. The Brit and brawlers grab chairs and the sun start to back away. But Riker wants to do this now. Cutler and Blake manage to get him up the ramp. Yeah, so it looks like Riker was ready to fight, but they've forgotten sons in uh, Blake and Cutler. The brain's behind the operation. When an interview rolls up with Adam Cole while his photo's taken, he thought Gagano would be man enough to come after the year as leader. But since he didn't, Roderick Strong will do the same thing to Johnny he would have. Cole wants to know what someone off camera is laughing at. And it's Matt Riddle, bro. He's next for a photo shoot, but says he's never seen anything so funny as AC being jealous of Roddy. But if the Panama City player wants to do something about it, Cole says he doesn't have time for this and walks off. The King of Bros gets his picture game started. Yeah, fuck you, Matt Riddle. And up next is Candice LeRae and Casey Cantazaro. And they're going against Aaliyah or Nymph. 
and Vanessa Bourne. Bourne and Buja out first, then Candice get her own entrance. Finally, learn her partner is the American Ninja Warrior herself. Candice starts with Numph, take down a trash talk for the NXT veteran, but it's not long for Casey showing off with a head scissors takedown and a nifty front flip axe kick. And Numph is playing possum, though. Hi, possums! And flattens Cantazaro. <laughs> Tags in Bourne for the tandem suplex, and Vanessa starts working the heat. That includes some heelish double teaming in the ropes, which happens to be pretty much right in front of the ref. Numph back in to stretch the smaller woman, but Bourne and Bougie try their superplex, suplex again, and she turns it into a double neck breaker and makes the tag. Larray in hot, cleans house, hits a step-up senton as part of the flurry, which gives us the finish. And we get a recap of last week's main event before Maro kicks it to Kathy Kelly backstage for comments from Io Shirai. She starts to talk about how Shania Basler attacking Kari Sane's elbow and making her watch us horrible when Jasmine Duke and Minish Fear jump the genius of the sky. And Ethan Shania leaves a lane backstage. We saw the good work last time. Again, sneaky attacks for Basler this week. Well, a hype video on Kashida. And he can't wait to show the WWE Universe what he can do. Starting with his debut match next week. We then go to general manager William Regal's office. who puts over the signing as one of the biggest in NXT history. Regal's old friend slash nemesis Cassis Ono rolls up. And puts over himself for killing it in NXT UK. Teaching those youngsters about European style wrestling. Regal says he knows little about that. But KO rolls past the comment to congratulate the GM on Kushida's signing. And offers his services as the Japanese superstar's first opponent. Regal thinks that would be an excellent idea. And up next, it's the War Viking Experience Raiders versus the Street Profits. So, War Raiders coming out here. And they're at NXT Tag Team Champions. And they're going to go against here. They take their outfits off and they're ready for a fight. Here come the War Raiders. But, oh my God, there goes Montez Ford. Straight over the top. <laughs> and maybe they want to finish things now. Angelo Dawkins with a spear. Takes out Hansen. They've got Rowan Trouble. Spinebuster. Frog splash. One, two. Oh! Nearly snuck a quick victory there for the Street Profits. <laughs> the crowd can't believe how hot the Street Profits have started this. We talk about a moment for them to show how good they are. Do on his shoulders. Ford perched on the top. Oh. Backslide, though. Oh, and Ro with a huge clothesline. Here comes Hanson. Oh, dear. <laughs> and the big man's in. It means business against Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> and much like Piper Niven with a huge slam there. The big man's showing what he can do. Oh, but the smaller man's showing what he can bring to the mix as well, though. <clears throat> and Ford flipping over. Lovely cartwheel from Hansen. And follows it up with a huge clothesline takedown. Well, the Viking Raiders, they might have uh, had a slow start, but they're certainly putting their way back into this match. Without a doubt. Big um, Dawkins down. And Jess Carla ref checking on. Rowe gets a tag in, and now it's double team. Hansen watching on as Rowe slams Ford. And slams Dawkins. And he slams Hansen on to Dawkins. And the War Viking Raiders experience are showing what they're all about here. Oh, Dawkins with a huge slap to the chest, though. And that give him a chance maybe to get a tag. Hansen's in. Ford's in. 
And Ford not backing down, going right after the big man. Can't take Hansen down, though. Rocking him a bit, though. Maybe fourth time lucky. No, still not. Kick to the midsection. To come to the jaw, but that <laughs> responds one from uh, Hansen, who rocks Ford. Well, Hansen just screams, goes for the clothesline, but Ford dodges it. Drop kick, drops into one knee. And he's shown a lot of fire. And he tried to pick up Hansen. He's just keeping him up in the air. <laughs> oh. Lovely back suplex. Nips his way back up to his feet. Standing moonsault. <clears throat> and the Street Profits are so close, but here comes Rowan, but clotheslined out. Montez Ford tagged. Dawkins in. Couple of 360 splashes. Ford springing off his partner Dawkins to take Hansen down. But Hansen managing to kick out. Ah. It's like a Salida del Sol. Now look, double Irish whip. Oh, Hansen just runs through the double clothesline. Handspring, back <laughs> elbow, takes both members of the Street Profits out. Tags in row. And now row's got Ford. Exploder suplex. Rolls Dawkins through, knee to the jaw, and just screams <laughs> in his face. Tags in Hansen. Huge running drop kick to Ford. Oh. And picks up Row. Uh, picks up Hansen. Throws him into Ford. <laughs> Springboard <laughs> close on with a German. Takes down Dawkins. Oh my god. Call them what you want. Just call them impressive as they're looking to put away Montez Ford. Just don't call them late for dinner. <laughs> and that's looking to finish it. Pop-up power slam. Ford's hammer gets the job done for Hawk, Hanson and Rowe. What a match that was. Yes, Eric and Ivar did look very impressive there. <laughs> the Hanson, Rowe, War Raiders, Viking experience. Yeah, I mean, very, very impressive there between the two. And, I mean, it'd be very interesting to see what happens because, you know, tag team titles at the moment for NXT are in uh, are on Raw at this moment in time. Well, a faceless reporter named Dennis asked Mia Yim about Shayna's reign of terror. She runs down Bianca Belair for failing to beat the champ despite her undefeated mindset. Yim says she learned a lot in her first match with Basler and deserves another chance to show why the HBIC will be the one to put down the Queen of Spades. Now we're on to our main event, Johnny Gagano versus Roderick Strong, and the NXT champion is in action. But, I mean, this has been a mind game, I think, for the undisputed era of what Gagano's doing. He asked for Roderick Strong and not Adam Cole. And after a, well, matching start between the two men, it looks like Strong has slowly got into control of this one. Well, can I just say, is he like taking advice from his... Uh... Friend turned foe, turned friend, turned foe, Tommaso Ciampa in being a, a puppet master while holding it or just like the, the goldy precious kind of bring some sort of evil demeanour to champions. Well, I think you're right. I think it is like the ring, isn't it? You know, And I think Gagala realised what he's got to do to keep hold of it. He doesn't want the Undisputed Era as a full-on group. He wants to, you know, there's already cracks appearing with the leadership. And if Gagana can drive that home and create a wedge, like I said, he gives himself a chance to keep that title on for as long as possible. Well, Johnny Gagana, he had allies, but 
you know, they've kind of uh, disappeared now. So all that's left is just him. So he's got to try and turn this into a one-on-one situation. Situation. Well, it's weird because the Undisputed Era are in a weird uh, bit of place at the moment as well. Can you think about the teams that are feuded with them, whether it be Authors of Pain, whether it be um, the War Raiders, as we've seen, Ricochet, uh, Pete Dunn, no, Alistair Black, no longer there now on the roster, but the Undisputed Era are. So instead of them being a dominant force, are we going to see them maybe go their separate ways? Uh, are they questioning maybe Roger Strong? Or are they even questioning Adam Cole? Could we maybe see a face run down the, the road? And it, uh, like I said, it builds up intrigue for the storyline then, doesn't it? It's not just your basic Adam Cole versus Gagano rematch. Well, it does make you want to wonder what's going to happen next. Because, you know, you see Adam Cole visibly pissed off that Roderick Strong's got the opportunity that Adam Cole rightfully, you know, wrongfully may think mm. is his. And he just shouted at Gagano. But why not give the opportunity to Bobby Fish or handsome Carl O'Reilly? He chose Roderick Strong for a specific reason. Exactly. And this was Strong was arguing with Cole about whose interference and the errant kick we saw. But Roderick Strong is certainly going to make the most of this opportunity. Well, Strong has been in NXT for such a long time. You can see he started as a face as well. And then turned to join the Undisputed Era. Strong's been around a long time. Can, is there an upside for him? Can we see him single success in NXT? Well, he's always been someone that's come quite close. But not quite got the cigar until he joined the Undeserving Era and became tag team champion. It's... That's where it kind of peaked for him. And look at Gagano just showing his toughness, telling Roger Strong to bring it on. And you don't have to tell us about the amount of punishment Gagano can take. There's an award named after him. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> but will um, the jealous Adam Cole bring out uh, Strong and Fish to kind of interrupt in this match and cost Roderick Strong ultimately his opportunity? This is the weird thing, isn't it? With Adam Cole, does he want to come out and... Send a message, you know, both of these two men now, his enemy, does he feel that Strong is uh, attempting a coup maybe in the Undisputed Era? Will O'Reilly and Fish follow Cole's orders now? Or are Roderick Strong and Adam Cole, you like this one, James? Here we go. In cahoots. It might be. It might be there as Gagano's in a little bit of trouble. Like I said, it brings a sense of intrigue as Gagano gets out of submission. Sends a Gagano in the corner, but he strikes back with a forearm. Johnny Champion. <clears throat> but isn't NXT the brand of smaller guys? I mean, you know, it's only a couple of sizes up from what uh, 205 Live is. Without a doubt, and as you saw with Murphy against the Dream, there's not that much difference in size. Of course, Gagano started off on the CWC as well. So, like you said, it gives you opportunity maybe... You wouldn't have. There's not that many big guys on NXT. As Gagano now feeling it for the step up in security, spear back in. <laughs> but he managed to fart. <laughs> <laughs> but Roderick Strong managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Oh, and a twist down there by Gagano taking down Strong. Goes for the kick, but Strong blocks and then goes to attack that lower back. And Gagano now rolls Strong through. Goes for the super kick. Strong to the outside, and here comes Leaping over the top rope, Roderick Strong sidesteps, drags Agano out, looks to go flying, but Johnny rolls back into the ring, onto the apron, and a running senton takes out Roddy. Both men down on the outside. And now Gagano's got Strong in. 
I'm surprised it's not Buddy Murphy losing this opportunity at Shut a title. Up. Now, Gagano would have chopped his strong. You can just see the spit flying from that. Okay. Find himself here. Johnny Champion. And again, just knocks the spit out of him. Fans chanting for one more time. And he puts Strong on that top rope. He's got to try to use him as a javelin. Right, Roderick Strong, though, looking for a move of his own. But Johnny Gagano slips out of it. An element. One of a side of backbreaker looking for one there, but Gagano blocked it. And multiple elbow shots to the head. Trying to get him out of uh, the fireman carry as Gagano springs in, gets caught by Roddy Strong. And turns it into a huge backbreaker. And I tell you something, if Strong get the victory here, he might become the number one contender to... Oh! Oh no, just a two count. Two. If I could take three things away from today... <laughs> Every Buddy Murphy is a A back elbow strike by Strong, missed by Gagano. Gagano dodged it, hit his own kick, but now Strong back again. Strong looking for a knee, misses, hits the back elbow. Gagano with a discus lariat. And now looking to put Strong away. Looking for the DIY kick, but gets caught by Roddy. Thrown into the bottom turnbuckle, back first. He follows it up with a knee to the jaw. Another backbreaker. And a slam to the mat. One, two. Oh! Well, Gagano close, but no scar. Managed to get the shoulder off at two. Two! And Gagano is trying to get out of the Boston Crab attempt. Looking for the Gargano escape. And can he lock it in? No, Strong doing all he can to block it. And he's got it in now. Strong's caught. He's got a hold of the knee pad, but Gagano working on him. And Adam Cole in, up on the apron. Gets Gagano to break the hold. Well, Strong went for the slam, but blocked by Gagano. Holds on to the ropes, and Cole's talking trash to Johnny. Calling him a fraud. And here come Fish and O'Reilly. But Matt Riddle's out to save the day, bro. And Matt Riddle wants Adam Cole. Hey! Gets Cole <laughs> with a forearm. Oh! oh! Cole thought it was Gagano, but kicked strong. Gagano caught him with a suicide dive to Cole. Plants him with a DD. One, two, three. Oh! Gagano wins, but it happened so quickly. And usually with in, in situations like that... Situation. Like, you kind of know when something's going to go wrong. But that did so well. Cole just turned around, thought it was Gagano, but or it was did strong. He? Oh, don't. No, I, I can't. Or did he? I can't say Or that. did he, James? <laughs> or did he? <laughs> I don't know what happened. O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were talking to Cole. He knew that it was uh, Matt Riddle behind him. Without even turning round. How can he know that a stranger's behind him but not one of his partners, eh? Well, you might be right. And a fist bump between Riddle and Gagano. Bro. Ugh. But the main story here is Cole and Strong. And they don't seem to be very happy about this. In the Undisputed Era, amongst themselves, we've never seen this before. Didn't we see it after Adam Cole's match against Johnny Gagano? Yeah. This is the time we're seeing it. We've never seen it before this time. 
We saw it after <laughs> Adam Cole versus saying, After what happened to Johnny after Cole, we're seeing the fallout now. Well, this is a we're not no <laughs> So we're seeing this for the first time. Unbelievable stuff. There are fractures among the undisputed. Strong leaving. And O'Reilly looking at Cole. Say, so Dan, what are your thoughts of uh, NXT? Hang on, save it for the bottom third. <laughs> so there you go. Not a bad match in our main event. More about the story afterwards. What, what are your thoughts on NXT this month? Um, it has been interesting. It's certainly a lot of story development, but it's I don't I don't know. It's again, it's missing something. Well, we saw what happened to the tag team division. We know the War Raiders are moving up, but they will defend the NXT titles, I guess, soon. We know Gagano is champion. There's problems with the undisputed era, and Riddle's now getting involved in that. Uh, and also, we know about the women's division of Io Shai looking for Baszler. So they're setting it up there. But like you said, it's just it doesn't feel as special as like NXT UK does at the moment, does it? Exactly that. Yeah, I think you know. Again, it's you've obviously seen, we can obviously sense a notable absence of Ali B and Ricochet, even Chomper as well. I think that's what's the problem is at the moment. But hopefully NXT can improve and get more signings. Well, uh, they've got Kushida. Yeah, Kushida's coming going to make a big deal of that. Uh, Djokovic wants uh, a chance at Velting Dream. And you've got people like Keith Lee as well. So there are chances there on the main roster. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that is it for NXT. That is it for the podcast today. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or... At Vince McDan, WWE. We're across all the Google platforms, the... Send us an email at dominarpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. Follow us at dominarpodcast there. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like there with the WWE Network Review Podcast. So you come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. We've got the latest clips and podcasts up on YouTube at the same time. There are places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio and Stitch Radio and iTunes. Make it download, subscribe, rate and review there. James, don't forget, we've got our own website as well now. It's at WNRpodcast.com. You can find all our links, our pages on there as well. It's up and running, and you've promised me you're going to have it done by summer. Yeah, so I'm now. hoping. But there could be a lot of changes soon. We've talked about the schedule. At the moment, we're scheduled to have the Worlds Collide as our next episode. But like we said, cards subject to change. If it does change, you'll, you fans will be the first to know all about the WNR podcast. But till then, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>